This is Dan Jurgens. You are listening to and enjoying the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. What is up? And CBS. What is up? That's what I like. How's you? Yeah, right. Today we're doing episode 169. The books we're going to be going over would be Extreme Carnage Alpha, number one, from Marvel Comics. Ordinary Gods, number one, which is from Image Comics. Thor 15, from Marvel. And Nice House on the Lake, number one, which just had its second printing come out this last week. Also from DC Comics, from the DC, uh... Black Label. Uh, before any of that, Josh, do we have any news? I do have a tidbit of news. So what's in the news? What's in the news? So the first thing that, I mean, it's been, it's been kind of rumored for a little bit, um, but it's got some little bit more hardcore uh, info starting today about Rob Zombie's upcoming Monsters reboot that he's working on. It says that it's going to be um, released simultaneously on Peacock, which is the NBC streaming service, and into theaters as well. So it'll be a movie. So you do a dual release the same way that the stuff happened which, with, which a lot has been yeah, recently. Yeah, okay. Um, which I don't know. What I what I didn't see or did not see was whether it's going to be like the the movie's going to be a kickoff to a, a sh- like a show. Or what's going on, but I did see that for sure that Sherry Moon Zombie, his wife, and, uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips are both, um, already signed on as actors in the, in the movie. All so, right. oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the monsters. Like, I hope he doesn't make, like, I mean, okay, so there's the original, like, 1960s, 70s, like, era monsters, and there was, like, a, a couple, like, um, full-length films. And then there was like a like a nineteen eighties, early nineties reboot called Monsters Forever, Monster Something. Like I don't remember what it was. So they and then there was like in two thousand twelve they were gonna try and reboot it called uh something like whatever whatever that it was the street address for yeah, the Yeah, the street address and like I guess it was like not the feeling they wanted, like maybe it was too dark or something, I'm not sure. There was some weird stuff with the grandpa's a vampire where he when they showed him it was like they showed a full bat body and he didn't have all that clothes on. It wasn't, like, out of control like that, but it was kind of... Yeah, it was a lot of control. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, but with Rob Zombie doing I can't imagine it's going to be, like, not dark. Well, no. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I hope that he does, like, the comedy aspect of it, because that's kind of what made the monsters fun. Right. I mean, there's... I mean, I hope there's some darkness to it, but also, like, you can do, you can do both. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm a big Rob Zombie fan, but, like, I can't... Some people may be able to do this, and if you can, then more power to you. But I can't, like, lay down and be like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep to House of a Thousand Corpses. It's not like a movie that I like to fall asleep to. Like, right. It's a, a, a very well-made film. Like, it's a great horror film. It's slasher, like, crazy insanity. But on the other hand, it's just like, I don't You know what I mean? Like, I'm... But, like, with the monsters, like, I could sit down and, like, just fall asleep to an episode of the monsters because it's a good show. Right. You know what I mean? This is a different tone altogether. I mean, it was funny, it was, I mean, I don't know, like, I, so anyway, curious about that, like, I just, what do you, what do you think, man? I mean, the most recent try, the house on, oh no, it's like... I'm looking, so... Yeah, I find that, that yeah, you, you gotta, 
um, with Jerry O'Connell playing, um, oh gosh, Herman. I say I didn't see, I didn't see anywhere about Jerry O'Connell being a part of it. That would, I mean, that would have been great because he's. Well, he was part of the 2012 one. He's the one that was playing, uh, at least I think that's the right name. Isn't he the guy from Sliders? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He played Henry Munster in the, no, is it, it's not Henry. Oh gosh, what's the Herman? Most? Herman, yeah, I said it right the first time. He played Herman in the 2012-ish or 2017-ish release, the one that got the address as the title. He played Herman in that in the show. I felt like that was pretty good. It was a little more t- twisted than some of the other stuff that the initial show did, as far as stuff. And that's the one where Grandpa's, there's more naked back Grandpa than I would expect. Uh, but it was good. As far as, like, reimagining, I mean, I don't know. The guy did pretty good with his Halloween stuff, right? So, it's a different tone, too. So, I guess we'll see. I mean, I don't really feel like, when you say Rob Zombie doesn't really reek of comedy at all. So, I mean, I would like if there's an even balance. Because you can have the dark stuff with the funny stuff at the same time. I mean, and like you said, that's always what's so you, for. So, you did see the pilot? Yes, I did. A couple times. It was pretty good. But it, it, as far as the thing, that's the one that has too much naked grandpa on it, I think. And I don't know if maybe uh, the idea that Jerry wasn't green, maybe that didn't help. But I mean, nowadays, if it doesn't look like a straight-up Frankenstein or the monster that is not Frankenstein because the doctor's Frankenstein, you know what I mean. If it doesn't have that look to monster. it. monster. Right. If it doesn't have that look to it, then maybe that's what the problem was. Because he just looked like him except with, you know, stitch marks and he needed a new heart and... That, of course, led to trying to harvest a heart, and there was all kinds of other things going on with killing people in the neighborhood. It wasn't the monsters doing it, but it was happening in the neighborhood, so, of course, it sort of looked like the monsters. And all about the coming of age for the uh, the son. And even that was, like, it was it was played pretty well. Maybe it wasn't a full movie pilot. Maybe that would have done better for it, but... I mean, I liked it just fine. I don't think... I don't know. Like I was saying, Rob Zombie doesn't necessarily sell the idea of comedy. And that was the main difference between, like, the Addams Family and the Munsters. The Munsters was more funny. And not, like, slapsticky funny, but, like, it was more funny. Not that the two things aren't similar, because they definitely are. As far as the thing, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, Sherry Moon being in it makes sense, because he casts his wife and everything. I don't see why not. She's fine. But yeah, if you, if you if you're if you're talking about the pilot, Mockingbird Lane. Mockingbird Lane. There's a number two, isn't there? Uh, twenty one. Uh, just Mockingbird Lane. Is what oh, it's supposed okay. To be. I thought it was like some number than Mockingbird Lane, but it was the address, the name of the address of the monsters. That's what the title of the show was. Right. Now, I think that's brilliant, but maybe the titling didn't help either with people tuning in when they aired it. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you do, like? Some of those things, like a lot, some reboots are fantastic. Others, like, right. but like when you do it on a streaming service, like you can, like it's it's kind of like the Say by the Bell thing. Like when they re- rebooted that or whatever, right. like it got a ton of acclaim. Like, but then like they still haven't announced that they're going to do a second season yet. Like right. they still haven't said anything, so who knows? You know what I mean? Which eh, same with Fuller House. Fuller House is the same thing on Netflix. Like it went a few seasons, but then like once Aunt Becky got popped for like trying to like sell her, her daughter's way into like college, college and mm-hmm. got in a bunch of trouble and she had to go to prison like it kind of put like a dark I mean even, even though they got rid of Aunt Becky like yeah. they can't really get rid of Aunt Becky you know what I mean and so I think that that kind of sunk that show and that show was kind like I mean 
arguably like the Save the Bell thing was cheesy, but they were meaning it for it to be cheesy. Like the cheesiness was meant to be that way. Right. But like this, this Fuller House was like uh, not that good. Like I was kind of disappointed. But as far you know, again, as reboots go or continuations or this or that, like I mean, some things are cool, some things aren't. But like with the monsters, I mean, Zombie has talked to you for years about how he loved that show, and like. If he liked it, that means even if he just liked it, which he's he has said in multiple interviews that he loved it, that means that he loved the comedy aspect of it too. So hopefully he brings that into it because that's what made that show cool. Right. It was both sides. It was like it was a family of monsters that were also funny. You know what I mean? Like well, it's trying like, to live in normal society life. It's like because basically like the moms of vampires. Yeah, she's a vampire. Yeah. They, they don't really. Like, she's like, a vampire. But then, like, the son's a werewolf, yeah. and, like, dad's the you know, Frankenstein's monster, and then, like, it's, you know, there's just, like, grandpa's a vampire. Yep. Wasn't, then, like, wasn't the, like, the, wasn't there a daughter? No, there's, uh, there's the niece, or the, she's either niece or cousin, it's the normal girl. And she's normal, but then doesn't she get a boyfriend who's normal as well? Oh, I don't remember that yeah, much. Anyway, I don't know. Like, it was just kind of, like, there's she one was- point that they... I feel like at some point they jumped the shark with something. I don't remember what it was. It's kind of like, it's been a while since I was like, but I used to watch on Nick at Night all the time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They, as a thing, she was the oddball because she wasn't normal. And she always felt bad about being a normal. Yeah. I'd liken it to the, as far as the naming of the, of the pilot, I'd liken it to that way that like Firefly, when they made the movie, they called it Serenity. And while it makes a lot of sense to like hardcore fans, if you didn't know what Serenity was, the title by itself doesn't help. Same thing with John Carter uh, versus Warlord and Mars. You call it Warlord and Mars, a lot more people show up. You call it John Carter, and it could be about a lawyer. So, movie-wise and show-wise, I think if the name would have been a little more synonymous with the monsters, I do like that title, and I think that's brilliant. But I just don't think it helped it get numbers. Is why the pilot didn't go any farther. Because it wasn't bad. Well, I mean, you, that could be a million things. It really could be. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Mean, I've seen pilots of shows, and I'm like, this is great. Or I've seen shows that only run six episodes, and I'm like, then they cancel it, and then it's like, like, Constantine's a good example. Like, I think, I thought, I this still do that, that Constantine is fantastic. Like, yeah. that's the reason I don't want to watch Swamp Thing. It's not because I don't like the idea of the Swamp Thing TV show. It's just because, like, I know that I'm going to like it. And I'm going to be pissed that the, like, it's... There's not even they, they can't, you know, that's, that's, I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. do it. Like, I'm just not going to. Then that's why. Because I don't want to, like, ruin myself. I'm like, what could happen? I'm like, not going to do it. Like, that's why, I, like, I hate starting, like, series of novels. That's why I, I think George R. R. Martin needs to be pushed down a flight of stairs. Because it's just, like, I, I don't like the fact that, like, don't start writing a, a series of books and then just, like, quit writing. Sure. It's just, you know, just finish your, that's why Joe mad. Like, that's why I don't, it's like, I can't wait until that finally comes out. But again, like he might be getting everybody's hopes up again, just to smash him down again. And it might never come out. Like possible. If he's, if he's finally going to allow, which we've talked about this several times now, like, and I, was there, has there been an, a, a pre-order for that yet on, no. on diamond? No, there hasn't been anything. Nothing new. He showed up in the catalogs or previews at all. Well, so, I mean, supposedly he's got, he got a, a, an artist to do it for him, which, if that's the case, then let another artist do it for you. Like, sure. tons of creators let our other artists take over. Oh, yeah. And everybody obviously loves Joe Mad, but, I mean, come on, man. Like, at least finish the story. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. He's a, yeah, he's a good example for that problem. He's the biggest example of it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be hard to find someone bigger than that with that problem. 
Except that he's a super young, relatively young, so so he might not die before. Like I mean, George R. R. Martin may die, oh. may or may not yeah, die that's before. A that's a different scenario, different situation. I mean, I will give you it, it is lame that we didn't get a full ending to that story. Um, the craziest thing is when they put out they actually started putting out compilations where they call it the complete. And like no, it's, never, yeah, but it's not really over. They just added it's like great, sketches and but it's no, no, not, yeah, yeah, all of it's fantastic, right? Yeah, as it far was a as super a, cool fantasy book. No, no, it was yeah. As but, far as a book, it was great. But you remember cross gen comics? Like I do. Sojourn was amazing, it was and it ends on a massive cliffhanger, and it never got finished, and it never will be because that yeah. that company went bankrupt. Well, no, they were bought by Disney, and the Disney warehoused everything, so Disney owns them. That's why we've seen two of the titles return at Marvel, both with miniseries, but they picked like the weirdest two, and the only one that was like a real continuation. Was uh Rune? No, that's not right. Uh, the one about the ghost, like uh, shoot, is it Rune? It is Rune. Rune is the right title. It's about the lady who has basically a ghost version of Sherlock Holmes tagging along with her while she does things. All right. It wasn't bad. I mean, that's not. He's not actually Sherlock Holmes, I don't think. But the series is called Rune, and it was pretty good. Yeah, it was, pretty cool. It was it was Victorian, like Victorian England, yep. like kind of. That's the one. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but like Sojourn was my favorite because it was fantasy, like. Right. The lady's, like, husband gets killed, and there's, like, some guy that, like, rules all the kingdoms, and... Uh, as far as series, the artist on that series is awesome, too. That guy's great. But, I mean... Anyway, but same thing. It's like... Yeah. Don't... Still stuff that, at this point, we're not going to get anything more from, unless so, Disney decides to clean it out. So irritating to me. Sure. So, anyway. When you come back to Munsters, which is kind of the point, is that I hope... I, I, I have all the faith in Rob Zombie. I think he can do a really good job, make it kind of dark and creepy, but funny at the same time. Sure. You know, and I just, I think his wife actually kind of makes total sense for... She does. The, the wife in the monsters, like, kind of like... Oh, yeah. No, kind of quirky, like kind of weird, but anyway. Yeah. I, as far as character, it'll be interesting to see what she plays. Yeah. So... I, I, she, I think that she's supposed to play the wife. Okay. I can... Yeah, sure. So... Morticia... Hang on, that's not right. Mortician's from the Adams family. Yeah, wrong, wrong show. Yeah, backwards. I think her name's Lily. Lily. I think. No, I don't remember. They, it's easy to confuse the two. Which both are great, though. Yeah, no, they are. For sure. And that new cartoon, that like they're doing a second one of that, is, well, the, uh, the Adams family, speaking of that. Oh, really? Yeah, they already, the, the, the Adams family cartoon. Yeah, I remember. They already have a second one in the works. It's already going. So. I don't know that. That's crazy. Which is. Okay. So. Uh, well, I got a little bit of, I got a couple things. Um, so New York Comic Con is happening this year. Um, it is a much smaller attendance allowed because of COVID, but, uh, when they put tickets on sale, I think yesterday, they sold out tickets in 12 hours. So, I mean, that's, I wouldn't say that's any different than normal years it's happening, really. 12 hours? 12 hours. 12 minutes. 12 hours is what it said. Well, it was it 12 minutes? Maybe it was 12 minutes. Well, the Pink Floyd concert, it will sell out in 12 minutes. 12 hours seems like a really long time. Yes. No, it is 12 hours. That's right. I was right the first time. It's 12 hours. Which well, doesn't sound like that crazy, but considering the COVID world and how strict it is in New York still, it's impressive. The fact that it's happening at all is it's really cool. Right. I mean, it's the biggest one to return, so... This makes me think, because I, I remember my uncle buying tickets to Pink Floyd, and it sold out in, like, literally, I think, 12 seconds. I'm not even kidding. Like, it was, like, oh, yeah. that fast. I, I like, don't doubt it. San Diego Comic-Con, when it's happening... Yeah. Yeah, it's not... It sells... I mean, it sells out for a four-day event that is ex- super expensive to go to in minutes. 
and, it, and with like the last minute, the only tickets available is like Sunday, which is only half a day, right? Right. Yeah, the, yeah, at the very end of things, it's yeah, it's the it's the Sunday. But yeah, as far as the thing, the fact that it's happening at all is what's the part that's impressive. I mean, yeah, it's going to be restricted to the amount of people that are allowed in compared to normal years, but the fact that it's happening at all is awesome. So, we've seen a few other smaller conventions start happening again, but for, like, big ones, it's going to be the biggest one that's actually happening this year. So, that's awesome. Which is crazy because, um, well, I guess California is still partially shut down. Yeah. Kind of, but San Diego is the more, like, open of all the places, and so, like, the, like odd to me. They did announce that they're going to be doing a winter con. That's a smaller version of oh, okay. Comic Con. Also, uh, fairly recently they announced that we did start seeing some exclusives come out for it, though, like with the at home stuff, like the Sergeant Slaughter. Well, they're still doing from Mattel. Home. Looks pretty cool, right? So they're still doing Comic Con at home this year. Here this weekend, actually, no, this mm. next weekend. Yeah, next. <sighs> Check the dates on the internet. It's I two. Remember. I think it's two weeks. Yeah. So it's, as we record this, I think not this coming week, but the weekend after. Right. I think. Yeah, yeah. The twenty something or whatever. Somewhere in there. Uh, but yeah, there's a batch of different things that showed up on Entertainment Earth and NECA, and so the whole Comic-Con at Home thing is happening again, which, as a plug, if we get in the middle of Comic-Con at Home, go to their San Diego, or the Comic-Con website for San Diego, find the floor map, and there's going to be one of the booths named Comic Book Library, no, Comic Book, Comic Book Museum, find them, buy one of their commissions for like 10 bucks, you get an original piece of art, it helps to support their... Um, their museum out there in California. And you may never ever go there, but it's a comic book museum, and not just comics, but like comic strips and comic artists and all kinds of different medium. So like even newspaper stuff, it's not just comic books. It's like this huge museum they've got set up out there. And without nobody being able to attend, it's been a real mess. And like, they get a whole bunch of different artists to do original art. And I mean, when you pick your commission, you can pick just a, whatever they want to draw you and send you. Or you can ask for something particular. I think it starts at ten bucks and goes up to twenty bucks, and you'll get some really decent stuff and some really uh, namesake artists. I've been surprised how many A-listers they had. I don't have a list this year because I haven't, of course, announced it yet. So I would say check it out. I mean, last year, uh, oh gosh, uh, who's the guy from the real world that writes a bunch of comic books? Puck? No, he doesn't write comic books. Kennedy? Idiot. No, that's She's just a pretty a lady. No, it's the the dude from the season one who writes. He wrote Under the Red Hood. No idea. Oh gosh, you know who I'm talking about. I don't. Google the Real World or Under the Red Hood, the comic book. You'll find who I'm talking about. The dude does drawings also. Anyway, he was on the list of people last year. Um, I don't know why I don't remember. It's just gone in my head. I keep talking. I'll look. I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be your Jamie. I'm running out of words for it though. Anyway, as a thing, they're great organization support. So. I say if you can spend an extra 10, 20 bucks to go and throw out their direction. Plus, you'll get a pretty cool piece of, of art. Judd Winnick? Judd Winnick. That's the guy. He was on the list last year as far as one artist you could pick. There was a whole bunch of other people, but as far as he was, names. There's Pablo's. Pablo's friend. Boyfriend or just no, friend? Just friend. But he did. The, he got to start as doing the Pablo comic, right? Um. Yes. He like, did a bunch of stuff he, after he died. After Pablo passed away, Judd did a batch of, of different things. Before he even started, like, his first big comic thing was was called Pablo, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure, yes. Yeah, okay. Priority more I forgot about DC. that. Like, he's, Judd's Judd been in that stuff for the, the wow, I, that, that brings a whole flashback. Like, I, 
I'm sorry that I forgot all those things, but yeah, I forgot that like he, that was a, that was such a huge thing. Oh yeah, well, what was happening? It was a pretty big deal. Well, it was massive, like, but that's how we got to start in comics because yeah. it was such a. It was kind of like how Mouse like won the Eisner Award, and then it was up for a Pulitzer. Oh yeah, yeah, the or whatever. Book. But like Puck or the not Puck, I keep saying Puck because it was like the other guy. But Pablo was won the award as well. I think he won the Eisner Award after Mouse did, but, like, a s- similarly. I, my brain doesn't remember enough to remember that. But, I but mean, it was, like, it was kind of, like, when that, the whole discussion started. I, I think that's what, like, those two both were what started started the, the discussion of, like, should, like, graphic novels or comic books be able to win a, a Pulitzer? Right. And it's just, like, yeah, they should because it's it's still incredible... As long as it affects people the right way, but I still mean, incredible art, like thing, the yeah. story, just because it's slightly like illustrated, but it doesn't take away from the awesomeness of it. It's, it's not a kid's thing, right? And that's kind of like I think that was like a big controversy, and like it's kind of fizzled a little bit, unfortunately, because they're. Mm. Like, I don't think they ever like came to like in conclu- conclusion with that, but like I don't know if they ever did or not. But there's been some amazing things done, and like yeah, sure. Yeah, I forgot that was Judd. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he was one of the names on the list, and I just was like, wow, that's really cool. Anyway. As far as things are concerned, I, I would suggest to take a look at that if you, you know, again, happen through Comic-Con online, try to find that page and, you know, if you can, throw a little money at them because I think that's an awesome, their museum is an awesome place is what it is. Right. Anyhow, so there's that. Well, so then there is a new Star Trek movie coming out. Like, it's been it's been announced, a new Star Trek film that will be directed by a uh, uh, Matt Shackman, who did WandaVision. Oh, yeah. And it's will be Chris Pine and his crew. So it'll be a, a continuation of that. So the Kelvin versus Star Trek stuff. Yeah, which is awesome. No, that's cool. So um, I hope that's I hope that continues to be a thing. I know like with Pine, it was like, kind of an ongoing back and forth. Like, um, he wants this, and they're going to give him this, and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. But like, man, just, you were terrible, Warner. I'm going to just do it. <laughs> He wasn't terrible in it. The movie just itself was not good. Well, you were in a terrible movie. Just do it. There you go. Do a good movie. There you go. That's cool. I do like that idea, and the one of Vision was really awesome. So Yeah, so he, he might direct it well. So That's cool. Um, so another thing that's a little filmy, uh, Netflix is currently in the process of developing Something is Killing the Children. Uh, if you have not heard of that book at this point, the internet is all the rage about it, and it is fantastic. Um as a thing, right now, the series is 17 issues in. Um, a short pitch for it, it's kind of got a Stranger Things-y vibe, sort of, just because of the age of some of the characters, and now it's got a dark mix to it. Um, it's coming out through Boom Comics, and uh, the writer on it is James Tinian, who's writing everything that's like... Well, he's writing a lot of things that are amazing. Uh, currently, he's writing Batman, and... Anyway, he has a handful of other indie projects that are happening too, but some of these killing the children, like it's, uh, it's so good. Like we have our main character is a, uh, a girl who happens into a town that happens to have a bunch of kids that have gone missing. And it turns out that she's really there because she knows what the problem is and she's there to try to fix it. And, uh, the something, well, it's monsters. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Main character's name's Erica Slaughter. Uh, as far as the thing is concerned, like, it's all about, you know, the monsters, the things that go bump in the night and the monsters in the woods. And when you're a kid, you can see things that parents don't see. And it's just awesome. Like, it's written really, really well. The series is, so far, the comics have been great. 
So the idea that Netflix is reaching out to it, especially if they're looking for something to replace Stranger Things, that makes a lot of sense. And style-wise, it's like I said, it's got a similar flavor to it, but uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. If, if you're not reading it, Volume Three's come out beginning of last month, I think. Within the last thirty days, Volume Three came out, and Volume Ones and Twos, we are constantly selling in the store. It just uh, it's it's freaking awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's that. There's another pitch for a book, but yeah, the fact they're turning into the show, I think, is great. I imagine that. They'll have a similar kind of pull, like Lock and Key did, and just as a thing, if you if you haven't even heard about it, I'd be surprised. But if you haven't, I say definitely check it out. If nothing else, Google it. I think the show is fantastic. That's all I got about that. Um, my final thing is that so as histank.com, which is a really cool like Joe website for pretty much like. They're usually top of the top when it comes to news information, when it comes to any G.I. Joe things. They released a little thing from Licensing Con Brazil that there's a new G.I. Joe cartoon slated for 2021. And then the, the reporter that reported on it um, actually saw a brief clips shown um, that actually shows Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow both. Um, so that, that means the development pretty much well underway. And that a second season for 2023 is already in the works well. That's awesome. So, um, a couple things. I, as I dug into it, like the, the brief animation that they showed was like, that makes Snake Eyes look kind of like the Black Power Ranger with a silver visor. I'm like, well, he's black and the Black Ranger's black. And unless he's like painted like a mammoth, that's not true. Right. You know, <laughs> but like other than that, like, um, Storm Shadow supposedly looked like Crossbones from the Marvel Universe, which I'm like, uh, that's but if it's early animation and they're just working on the early stuff, like you can't really like, you know what I mean? You can't really like, until you see the finished product, you can't let it go. Right. Yeah. So anyway, like, I mean, that's just, that was just some comments, like things like that. But like, anyway, hopefully that, that, that leads to some life and some fun and some greatness to the line because the, uh, classified line has as much as I'm not the biggest Instinct fan, like, the figures are fantastic. The right. ones that have come out are amazing. The ones where you're able to get look amazing. They do. And as time goes on, like, Hasbro has listened. They've re-released some stuff. Target has re-released some stuff. Like, it's been kind of like a thing. Like, they've been like, hey, okay, we'll get, we'll get the figures to the people and this and this and this. And like, people complained about the futuristic like, shiny look. So they, they re-released the, the original few figures that looked that way with some like more moderate, like some less, less gold and more crazy. Muted color stuff. Yeah, which like, which is cool, whatever. Like, you know, like, and they've done, they're listening to the fans, which is awesome. So I don't know. Like, I love G.I. Joe. I've talked about it on the show probably like a thousand times. And it's just like, hopefully that leads to something neat. Like, cause that, that G.I. Joe, uh, the last animated thing we got was just that, like, that movie. It was kind of like a movie, but it was a, an animated movie cartoon short thing that we got. And it was like, Rev- not Revolution, Renegades? Or Renegades. What it, was it Renegades? Yeah, it was Renegades. a show. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, no, but it was short. It was like that, that short that they did. And it was, it was like, it was like 20, it was like super short. And it was amazing. And it was just like. I think you might be talking about Revolution's, com- like, trailer. There was Revolution and there was Renegades. Renegades was a regular... No, Revolution is the new, the new comics thing that's going on. 
Uh, that was no, you're, that, that's something totally different. It was just called Revolution. There's a G.I. Joe series that had like the classic look to it that was written by Garth Ennis, I think. Yeah, but do you remember like there was like an animated thing that they released like ten animated shorts and they were like five minutes long a piece oh, yeah. or something like that? That's what I'm talking about. There was that thing and there was a thing on the hub. The thing on the hub was called oh gosh, Rev. Uh, Rev- not Rebels, something like that. Something like that. And it was really they cool. They both had R names. And it was really cool as well. Like, both those things were really cool. Yeah, the one the one we're talking about was the Garthians one. I don't remember if it was Revolution or what it was called now. But yeah, it was fantastic. But it was, yeah, you're right, it was chopped up into the little bits. They did actually release it on Cartoon Network. Um, as a full thing. And they also released it as, as chunks throughout the Adult Swim for a while. So adults want to pay like, oh, here's f- four minutes, here's whatever. But that's what they released in was like, th- yeah. like small episodes. Little chunks. Same way they did with like Gindy Tarkovsky's uh, Clone War stuff before it became right. not canon, even though it's freaking awesome. And Samurai Jack as well? Samurai Jack's on the LT main. No, but like that was released that way too at first, wasn't it? Like it was like little uh, shorts? I don't remember enough to know that. Uh, my brain that was kind of That was kind of Cartoon Network's thing, or like Adult Swim for a while. They did like little shorts like. Well, I remember other things that they did that with too, but the the G.I. Joe show we're talking about that's the that's the that's the one. Um, and I can't for life, and you still remember the name of it. Anyway, it was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, as far as the show series is concerned, if we get a new animated series out of it. That'd be freaking great. It'd be interesting to see what they do with it. But it's yeah, that's cool. Um, the last piece of news I had is uh, so DC artist uh, Robson Roca. Uh, has passed away. Um, he, uh, COVID-related, which I mean, I guess is common now, but uh, he best known for doing New 52, like titles like, uh, he did Superboy, Birds of Prey, Batman Superman. Uh, if you read Earth 2 Worlds End, he did art on that. Uh, dude is a fantastic artist, like really, really good. Uh, signed an exclusive deal with DC back in 2016. Uh, got in the comics around 2010-ish, from what I remember. Uh, but yeah, as a thing, Ellis passed away. It's unfortunate. Because uh, he was really, really great. Like, his Birds of Prey stuff was so awesome. Not that World's End wasn't, but Birds of Prey is what I remember him best for. But anyway, so there's that. Not not, not a terribly old fella. So anyway, that's all I really had for new stuff. Cool, cool. I uh, want to move on to some books? Yep. All right. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Alright, so we're going to start out with uh, Extreme Carnage Alpha, number one. Uh, and this is a part of a, a series, it's an eight-part series, but they're all labeled as number ones. And Extreme is the main branding, so uh, there's going to be an Extreme Carnage Scream, Extreme... Anyway, there's a Extreme Carnage for a whole bunch of different symbiotes. This particular one is titled Alpha, so I'm assuming by the end we'll have an Omega. Uh, but this particular one is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. And the art on it is by uh, Manuel Garcia. And uh, when we first open with the book, we are basically in the ocean. Uh, so we see several layers of ocean with different fish and a, a, a batch of waves crashing on top of an island. And at the very bottom of that, we see something kind of tentacly in the uh, dark breaches of the ocean. And we have this monologue going on that talks about how planet Earth was our place and what it was designed to be. And after the King in Black, once the King came... We we learned of new threats, and as far as the, the universe is concerned, it, this particular storyline, this particular like voiceover that's happening, 
He's explaining how we're constantly attacked, but most of the time people don't know it. So whenever there's giant invasions, half the time it's not something the world sees. But with the King in Black, it was. It was something everyone saw. Uh, we turned directly from there to a gathering for a senator. And uh, this, we got a big screen back behind uh, two guys standing at the podium, uh, father and son, the older of the two being the senator. And he's talking about how in this brave new world, we have to stand up for ourselves and we got to kick, kick out all these aliens. As he's going on, he talks about how we always thought we were the, we were the predator, not the prey. And this is, this is proved untrue by monsters. And while he's giving his speech to this crowd of people, we see uh, one of these fish that was floating around in the ocean earlier, little yellowfish slowly get engulfed in these red tentacles, and uh, then his eyes become bloodshot and his teeth well, kind of go crazy. From there, eventually we cut to where we see a full, what looks to be the head of Carnage, floating through the ocean. However, it is the fish turned into Carnage, Carnage's head, which is freaking crazy. And as the speech goes on, because the voiceover is the speech that he's delivering, he talks about how every predator gets bigger and bigger, and every problem gets bigger and bigger, and the more we let these people live here the more these predators will come. So he's talking about, like, aliens, Kree, Skrulls, mutants. At one point he talks about how the mutants were the first ones to threaten humanity, and then it moves on from there. So it references all these different things. Um, and while this is going on, we see the little fish, or Carnage's head, swimming through the ocean, and eventually it finds itself a giant shark. And uh, the giant shark, of course, goes to eat the fish like you normally would, and then the fish basically burrows inside of it and transforms it into a Carnage-covered shark. As the Carnage Cover Shark continues to swim through the ocean, we have more, you know, of the, of the speech going on. So this is all peppered in there with chunks of speech and talk, chunks of talking about how they, they got to form a bridge to stop this invasion and we need to figure out a way to keep these aliens out. About that time, we see a shot of the shark leaving the ocean to jump onto a little man carrying a machine gun, you know, very uh, pirate terrorist style, um, on the edge of a boat. And then we see him walk out of the ocean, um, covered in carnage. And uh, as the senator turns his focus to the symbiotes and how they came for us all, and they didn't care which party you were part of or which faction you were part of, because they were just here to destroy things, he tells the crowd, it never can happen again. Never again, my friends, never. And then we get a shot of the, uh, the pirate's eyes, and uh, they are definitely carnage. And the carnage is inside of him. And now he's surrounded by a room full of other... Uh, I don't know, pirateer types. Uh, from there, we return to the uh, to the uh, congressman's uh, speech. And now in the audience, we see the backside of his head, and you see the front side of the crowd, and the crowd has a bunch of signs with, like, classic green alien-style heads, just in black, with the no-not-allowed symbol on top of them. So, like, think smoking signs, except inside it's an alien head. And uh, as he goes on about that, he says talks about how the Friends of Humanity, which is the group he's taking control of. He needs, needs to teach these people a lesson. We need to show all these people. We need to tell the Tony Starks, the Charles Xavier's, and anyone who harbors aliens that no more, now no more in America, and he announces that he wants to form, uh, well, through the Friends of Humanity, he's going to put forward and introduce a bill into Congress, which is the Birthright Act, so that human, the human race is not forced to share its planets with aliens. And that's like his whole soapbox he's standing on. Now, Friends of Humanity was an organization that initially went after mutants. Like, they were uh, basically a terrorist organization that went after the X-Men and, I don't know, a whole handful of the other mutant types. And he actually mentions that in the speech, that they're no longer branded that way, and that's not what they're standing for. And 
that was a faction that was different. Anyway, he sells this whole idea to all these people, and it's all about how keeping the keeping Earth for Earthlings, keeping it safe for humanity. Anyway, the, we assume the cloud crowd applauds. There's no sound effect for it, but they must have. Eventually, he leaves the stage, and we see him join his people. It basically looks like a, inside of an office or a trailer, and uh, he's got four other people in there, one of which is his son, who's sitting there petting a dog, and uh, then he's got his uh, campaign manager, and all of them are going over, like, oh, our stats look great online, and we're getting a lot of responses, and just breaking down, like, what he talked about, and one of them says, you really need to have your son on stage with you, he responds well with the people, they'd like to see that you're a family man, and another one says, oh, you got to have the dog on the stage with you more, because everybody loves dogs, so it's just, you know, trying to figure out better ways to sell his image to the world. Um as a thing. Anyhow, so, you know, he basically talks to talks to his own people about this is where we finally get his name. So, we know his name is Crane, just from some of the signs, but the fellow, his, his name is Peter Crane, and uh, he's going to take the Friends of Humanity, and uh, they're going to they're gonna be the only game in town when it comes to voting. And uh, at one point, they mentioned something about a presidential run. We move from there to... Uh, a airplane landing and departing folks, like a regular airplane. And uh, one of these guys is dressed in a black suit, has glasses on, comes walking down to a crowd of people, and there's some dudes holding signs for people, and he says, oh, hey, they sent me a car, that's really awesome. And the guy holding the sign says, Dr. Miles. And he's like, oh, Dr. Miles, uh, I mean, I expected you to be older. And the guy's like, ah, it's all just clean living. And he tells him, and then the kid, kid who's there to pick him up says, uh, do you have any luggage? He goes, nothing expensive. And the two of them walk to the kid's car, and he's like, um, alright, uh, how, did, how, how was your trip? Is everything okay? Is the car is the car okay? And he's like, oh, it's great, I'm starving. And then they get into the uh, car, and he's like, well, they didn't feed you on the plane? He goes, I mean, I can't remember, the last time I was this hungry. And the kid's like, oh, that's when the kid says, Did, didn't you get your meal on the plane? And he says, oh, well, not exactly. I mean, some of the flight attendant's brains got in my mouth, but not exactly a meal. And he turns on the radio, and the kid's like, uh, what? And uh, as the radio plays, all the lyrics that are coming out of the, the song is about how I want to eat you, you're only meat. I don't know if it's a real song, or, like, it's weird that would be the song playing. Anyhow, um, as this is going on, the kid gets a text message, and he goes to respond to it, and he realizes that it's a text message from Dr. Miller. And then the guy in the seat says, oh, well, that's weird. And uh, then we get a close-up of his face with his eyes, his glasses pulled down, and we see that his eyes are carnage eyes. And his teeth have turned into uh, very spiky, like, I don't know, crazy vampire teeth, I guess. And uh, the symbiote slowly starts to crawl up his suit. And uh, But now the, the, him and the kid are driving already. Like they've been driving for a minute when he gets the text message. And we see a blood splatter happen on the inside window of the car. Then we see the driver try to jump out and get pulled back in by a tentacle, like a symbiote tentacle. And the car just continues to drive uh, the entire time this song playing. It's pretty creepy. It's done very movie-esque the way it shows up in the comic book, because we go a couple panels to panels to panels, with the car slowly changing and getting more bloody. It's, it's kind of awesome. Anyhow, uh, from there we cut to an alley um, in the evening. we got a couple guys loading boxes in the back of a van. Uh, so there's a whole group of them down there, and as they're doing that, of course, the guys are talking and, you know, busting each other for, oh, you're too old trying to carry these boxes by yourself, and anyway, just normal jargon. Uh, then we get it, we get to find out who at least two of the men are. Uh, one of them is Hank, and Hank's uh, got a wife, and 
Hank talks about how he misses being overseas, he misses doing stuff that was exciting, and he never just wanted to wind up as a box loader, but he had to be a box loader to be able to pay the bills. As he's talking, well, we learn that the guy he's talking to is Flash Thompson. And Flash is like, or he asks him, hey, do you remember any of, the, any of those times? And Flash is like, ah, sure. Because I don't necessarily know if I crave it or not. As this is all going on, eventually, as Flash is carrying one of the boxes, we hear this crazy, like, thundering sort of noise, but it appears to only be, it's only in his head. And uh, we start seeing the same lyrics from the song that was playing earlier, and uh, Flash grabs his head, and he's like, oh, oh, and he drops his box, he sort of stumbles backward, and we go from there to what appears to be Flash seeing what Carnage and the other body was seeing. So he's got his hands in front of him, they're covered in blood, and uh, the song continues to play, and then eventually, Carnage starts talking to Flash. We pull back for a second to get a shot of uh, Carnage in the chair driving the car, and he looks over at what appears to be a Flash Thompson sitting in the car with him. Flash is, of course, like, who are you? Who? What is this? What is, what's going on? As the dude looks at him, he says, I'm family, cousin. And he just starts laughing. He's like, that's the reason I bring you here. Only, there's only dead men in this car, and we see in the back seat that the kid who picked him up from the airport, of course, has now been gutted. His ribs are everywhere, and his feet are in places they shouldn't be. It's really gross. And, of course, Flash freaks out, and uh, then we see, uh, as, he's, as he's freaking out, we start seeing Red climb up him, like Carnage climb up him. Of course, Carnage keeps talking to him, and he starts explaining to him about... Sometimes you just got to wonder, well, who the guy inside the guy is, and with, uh, with everybody being dead, how they can come back and how they're still around. Now, if you don't know, because it's a very good possibility you don't, Carnage was killed during the King of Black storyline. So Cletus Cassidy's body is dead, so there is no more Cletus Cassidy. But even with a dead body, his mind has now been stored, or trapped, or imprisoned, or it just is in what they're calling the symbiote hive. So, I mean, he's dead, but he's not really dead. Anyhow, Flash is coming to the realization of this while he's talking to him. And it's not just, it doesn't, it gets a little flatter later on in the story. So I'm, I jumped ahead a little bit right there, just to explain why this is so weird. Because if you didn't read King of Black, then you wouldn't know about the carnage, so... Anyway, that's like a catch-up piece. Anyhow, so as he's talking to him, he's like, You've wanted to crack crack the bad guys open, split out their ribs, sink your teeth into their arms and their guts. And about that time, we see all these crazy fingers, like, carnage fingers come out of this dude's mouth, like they're going to climb out of him, and he rips the flesh suit open, and we just see a full-on carnage sitting in the seat. And about that time, Flash transforms into the Anti-Venom. And, of course, he gets ready to take out Carnage. And we pull back to reveal that Flash never left. He's still in the alleyway. And now he has Hank on the ground, about to stab Hank in the face with one of his giant uh, spikes from the from the, from the symbiote. Or from the Anti-Venom symbiote. And, uh, of course, Hank's like, Fly, he's like, Thompson, please, Thompson. And Flash comes to realize what's going on. He's like, oh, I didn't mean to, I want you to find out this way. He's like, I've got to go. I'm sorry. And he, off he runs. And uh, as he's running through the alleyway, eventually he runs into somebody else. Um, we see this side shot of it. You can't really tell what it is, but it's like a shiny thing. And we had a big commercial in the middle. So it's a good reveal, because there's a giant, like, two-page fallout commercial for a bunch of books coming out. Anyway, when we finally get back to the story, past the commercials, we see that it's Iron Man. And uh, Flash is just as surprised as we are to see Iron Man in the book. And he's like, Oh, he's like, you're a hard man to track down, Thompson. 
And he's and now now that you're the anti venom, and you finally did something that kind of makes it a little easier. You need to come with me because we have a real problem. And he's like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "Uh, there's there's a different kind of fight on the horizon." After the King in Black, basically Iron Man explains to him that after the King in Black attack happened, he developed a software prototype that would look for symbiote transactions or not transactions, looks for symbiote activity. And since Flash transformed in the alleyway, that's how he's able to find it because he prior to that no idea where it was at. So without that happening, Iron Man would never found him. And he tells him that there's a problem that we have to deal with. It's already started. I think they're I think I think they're already here. Meaning people or symbiotes. And we jump from there back to a uh, a dim room that seems to be some type of tech lab. I mean they don't really explain where we're at. But uh, the man from the car, the one we just saw tear himself apart and turn into carnage, is sitting in a chair in a room, and we have two Secret Service dudes bring in one of the uh one of the guys that was working for the senator, he tells he he tells the man in the chair that he's he's there to see him because he wanted a meeting with uh, with Crane, and then he's like, oh, it's too bad they sent you. I was expecting Crane to come himself, and he says, well, he doesn't come for low level weirdos. What is it you want, really? I mean, it's a little deeper than that. That's an abridged version, of course. Again, abridged. And uh, about that time, Carnage takes and uses his tendrils to kill the two uh, Secret Service types with him. And pick the dude up, and of course the dude's screaming for help, and then we get a nice close-up of Carnage's face as he uh, tells him uh, that he's that he's really hoping to meet the man himself. Hoping to meet the man himself tonight, talking about Crane. And then with the close-up, he says, like I said, you'll do. And he, uh, so earlier when the guy first walked in and he announced who he was, Carnage said, well, you'll do, I guess. Anyhow, so from there we cut to the next scene, which is Iron Man taking uh, Flash into one of his labs, and he explains to him about building the different protocols to do things, and how this lab has been reconverted to be able to help him deal with symbiote problems, and then he takes him to show him a new armor that he's built. And we see the armor, and when he reveals it, it's basically a mix of a Iron Man armor with a symbiote, with an AI host in it, allowing Tony Stark to drive it around. And the Flash at first is like, you, you're basically imprisoning a, a person. Like He's like, how's it any different than you driving around? And he says, well, it's totally different. It's not the same thing at all. I can't, you know, I can't believe what you're doing. Is this thing safe? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm in complete control of it. And uh, so he demonstrates some of that. And then uh, Flash is initially opposed because you're basically trapping an alien entity and connecting it to a robot that you drive around. And uh, of course, Tony doesn't see it any different than what Flash does. But, I mean, there is a difference, I think. Probably. Anyway, um, so Flash is like, why am I here? Like, what did you bring me here for? And so Tony starts, pulls up a whole bunch of different video screens and starts explaining to him how there's been some crazy things happening. He starts with Mr. Miller, a fella that went missing, then reappeared a lot younger at an airport, shows him a Somali tent of pirates. They were Somalian pirates, by the way. I missed that before. Um, that were devastated and all destroyed exactly the same way. Then he shows him the kid at the uh, airport and the pictures of the dead stewardess from the plane and how he's been tracking this particular batch of destruction or deaths and how they all fit the same and he believes that it's only got one option that it has to be Cassidy. That's the only way, the only thing it could possibly be. And Flash is like, oh yeah, it's Carnage. He's here. That's when we learn about the Hive and about how the consciousness is in the Hive and they both decide after talking for a little while that they know that the Senator Crane, who is going to have another big event to, to campaign himself, but it's happening at a dedication. 
So one of the parks where um, the King of Black originally landed and a bunch of people wound up dying, they're turning it into a memorial park, so they're putting up a giant rock statue, which is part of his speech before. I should have mentioned it, but I didn't. Anyway, the dedication ceremony, um, Crane has decided he's going to go there and protest the dedication because he doesn't believe those people just deserve a rock. They deserve something more. So, like, that whole setup there is basically that he's going to have a giant place with a bunch of people that he can try to infect, is what it sounds like. And so if he... Iron Man convinces Flash to try to go and get an eye on things and keep Crane safe. Um, as is going on, and as their conversation lasts, we jump to the uh, associate of the uh, senator returning back to work, and how he's happy to see the senator, and he needs to talk to him for a second. We cut back and forth to Iron Man and... Uh, then finally make a decision for Flash to just go and blend in and try to see if he can keep Crane safe. We cut from there to the new event. This is the uh, rally at the park for the dedication. And, of course, Crane's there, and he's got his giant teleprompter thing showing off you know, his name, and he's standing there up on stage with his son. And as this is going on, he's giving a speech, and Flash gets in the middle of the crowd, and he's just watching and looking for trouble, and he starts hearing that same thrum, 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 thrum sound again. And then all of a sudden, there's uh, the voice of uh, Carnage. And uh, he basically starts talking about uh, talking to him about, Oh, it's good to see you here, Flash. We're all here to see you. And while this is all going on, eventually Flash kind of starts talking back to Carnage, which the people around him are just like, This dude's being crazy. What is going on? And we get this crazy shot where we see the senator looking directly at Flash. And uh, he tells Flash that he's there to kill him. And so Flash starts to freak out and turn into the um, anti-venom. And uh, at that point, he realizes that there is no trap to Crane, that the trap's there for him. And uh, Flash basically freaks out and runs away, full-on transformed into the anti-venom. And uh, as he runs, a couple of the uh, security types shoot at him, and the crowd flees, all scared and being crazy. Then we get a uh, quick shot of the senator. His son's like, oh, are you okay? Like... He's like, oh, don't worry, Artie. This this is uh, exactly what our boys needed. This is exactly what we needed for the movement. There's nothing else that would have been better than to have a crazy symbiote show up in the media to make everything look like we want it to look. We come from there back to New York, which we were in New York the whole time because the, uh, the park they're at is in New York. And uh, we join Hank, who's walking home in the middle of the night. And uh, as he's walking home, we get another person jump out of the shadows it's Flash Thompson, and he tells Hank, Hey, Hank, I I really need to talk to you. I know you were talking earlier today about missing action, and I hate to ask you, but I have to ask somebody that I can trust. I need someone. I need someone's help in order to try to keep me safe and to keep uh keep me from well keep me from having problems. Mostly, he's trying to convince Hank to help him fight the symbiote, symbiote uprising, and he's not sure who he can trust because the senator's infected. And uh, it looked like maybe a couple of the other members of the senator's group was infected. And when Carnage was talking to him, he told him that they were all there. All the symbiotes that have ever been part of Carnage. Which means Scream and all the other ones. So Flash is pretty worried about a wave of them coming to fight him. Because he's at this point, he's the anti-venom. And uh, so he convinced Hank to help, and Hank's like, oh yeah, 100% I'm in. Uh, from there, we cut back to uh, the senator a little more. And the senator's on a Tonight Show now talking to uh, a different TV reporter. And uh, while that's going on, he reveals he's got, he's got a big surprise coming from New York. And they just have to wait. 
and he's sitting there petting like with with his son and the dog and doing this interview. And it, the thing that weirded me out is that we see a close up of the son and the dog, but neither one of them react as if anything's wrong with dad. And dad's acting super weird. So uh, Flash basically tells Hank that he believes that the senator is Carnage. And from best I can tell, that's the truth, too. But we didn't see his eyes go crazy, like other people's. Other people's eyes went freaking weird. So I kind of wonder if the truth is maybe he's not in the senator. But whether he is or not, either direction, that's where the book wraps. Uh, the next issue to follow to get the next part of the story is going to be Scream. Uh, or Scream, Carnage, Scream. That's the titling. Reader-wise, I don't necessarily know if you have to read every part to understand what's going on. But they connect, even though they're number ones. So, um, as far as the series is concerned, the book's concerned, at least issue one of this eight-part Extreme Carnage thing, um, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, the story's interesting, there's a lot of cool levels, it's awesome to see Flash again, because we haven't seen him since he lost Venom back when he was part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he went back to Eddie Brock. So that's really cool that we see him in the world. If we're going to get a whole bunch of these other symbiotes, like, not all of them are bad. I mean, most of them are bad. But not all of them are bad. So I think that'll be cool to see like how that all plays out, and if if we're getting the Avengers involved, at least Tony, he's got that AI symbiote suit. That's crazy. Uh, score wise, I mean, I give it three and a half. It's interesting. I do like uh, that we're getting another like kind of current event thing going on. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I feel like the art's pretty decent. I mean, we have a lot of different inkers on here, so even though it's the same artist throughout, there's different elements going on because we have different inkers. Um, so the art's it, it's got, it flows fluidly enough. Um, yeah, I mean, like, story-wise, it is interesting. And, like, this whole dead, uh, Cletus Cassidy, Carnage, dead, not dead thing is so wild. And the Carnage parts, I mean, if you're into it for the Carnage of Carnage, there's lots of it. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, I give it a three and a half. As far as the series is concerned, it's going to be an eight part. Keep in mind, Hyaline again are all number ones. So I, I do hate it when they do that, but depending on how Scream plays out, if it reads as a self-contained story, then I guess it's fine. Um, but again, that one just came out this week, and I haven't anything to do with it but look at it, so I don't know if that's the case or not. Anyhow, um, Josh, what do you think about the Extreme Carnage Alpha? Uh, I think my biggest thing is that, like, how many Carnage events are they going to do? <clears throat> it seems like they're doing a lot lately. I mean, that's true. We had Absolute Carnage, and then we had... I mean, I guess King of Black isn't necessarily a Carnage story, but he is connected to it, so... I mean, it's kind of a... I mean, it's a symbiote story, so... But before this, we did do Absolute Carnage, then King of Black happened for a better part of seven months, and then now we're on to Extreme, so... I mean, I don't know, it seems to be a constantly rolling thing, but... We did a lot of years when there was nothing Carnage, so... Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of always just kind of like a... Eh, one of those symbiotes. I may get a two and a half. I mean, the art's decent. Like, it's not, like, fantastic for number one. I mean, it could be... I mean, they do I, they do symbiotes really cool. I mean, the symbiote shark at the beginning is really... I'm pretty rad. Done pretty rad. Well, like the close-up of him in the car when he's, when he's uh, getting ready to eat the kid that's driving him from the airport. That close-up was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, some good scenes, but it's just like, it's just like, eh, it's okay. I mean, but like, again, I don't, I mean, it's hard for me to give a, a proper judgment on it because I don't know, like, everything's going on because I don't read sure. the symbiote stuff. Like, right. I'm not, I mean, I know who the King in Black is. He's like, wasn't he like the, like the 
Was the, He's uh, the big, big, big symbiote baddie, like, of all time. God. Yeah, Null, the Venom God. That's, yeah, that's, that's what but the like, King Black I mean, is that's kind of, I mean, that's as far as I go on that kind of stuff. Like, I don't really know. It's like... Sure. So, anyway, I, I mean, I got two and a half. Like, I mean, if if you love that stuff, you're going to love it. And if you right. don't know anything about it, you're going to be like, eh. Yeah, I mean... So, I, I, I throw a middle down the lane. Like, this is very rarely am I just, like, full on just like, eh. I don't know what's going on. Right. This is one of those ones. So, I mean, usually I can, like, can catch up and, like, like, I am, or not IMDb, uh, Wikipedia, or, like, you know, re, get online, like, look up some stuff and things like that. This is one I'm like, there's just so much with the, with the symbiotes. It's just like, cause yeah. I, I mean, Flash at one point was actually just Venom. He was. And then, like, and he was part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then, like, and he went to the symbiote planet and they fixed him so he wasn't gonna be all crazy and want to eat people anymore. And then, like, that all went away. Well, it didn't all go away, but he got reconnected to Eddie Brock, and now he's he's more of a an anti-hero now than he is a villain. And when he was with Flash, Flash but was then he's been an anti-hero forever. Well, a long time now, yeah, that's true. But like when you, but like when, but when Flash as Venom went to the symbiote planet, and he, they're like, "Oh, your your symbiote's broken. That's what's wrong." Right. And they fixed it, and then all of a sudden he could control it, and they were cool, and they're like, "Oh, we get each other one now." Like. Like, oh, you're missing appendages. Like, we're just, we work together. Like, we're, we're friends. And then it was just like, that just went away. Well, when he went back to Eddie Brock, it didn't go away. I mean, he's just back with Eddie. And as far as the other parts, I mean, Venom's not like, he's not out of control still. I mean, that, that didn't just, it didn't just go away. It went he away when, sifted who is no, actually working. Because when, Fla- when Flash went, got him fixed at the symbiote planet, he, he had complete control. Well, the two of them could operate separate. There's a point in time where they both operated independent of each other during the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. We had a all Phil series where he was space venom, and during that they operated separately. So it's not all gone. It's just it, now we switch characters. We're a little more back to status quo. It I just guess. changes so much and so ridiculous that I'm just like I can't keep up with it. And it's kind of sure. Like, it's a lot. It's basically just like the X Men, but like they don't look different except their colors are different. <laughs> it's just all like blobby, like mouth fang people with There's like one's red, and one's white, one's black, one's purple, one's green, one's blue, and one's like a god. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm not the biggest fan of the symbiote stuff. Like, that's, sure. you know, I going far, even farther back, we talked about this on the actual Venom episode, like when we did the movie. Right. I'm not a big fan of Venom. Right. Never really have been. Like, the Punisher took him down in about three three seconds. Well, yeah, the right kind of gun. Nah, he just did sound like he did like the sound wave thing, and yeah. I just took him down. He was like, oh. "Yeah, it was, it was actually like a big speaker on top of his van, but well, not yeah. a gun." But anyway, you know, it's just like, eh, kind of whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like that's like, right. The yeah. max, the maximum carnage stuff back in the nineties that was neat, and they like made a video game, and like there's all sorts of cool things. Like, yeah, even then, I was like, Meh. just not your jam. Yeah, I mean, and not that it's bad. I just it's never like I. Yeah, no, that's understandable. So. The Venoms aren't for everyone. They should be, but they're not. Yeah, they shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, whatever, man. Has um, there ever been a Ven- like a symbiote sentry? I don't remember the sentry ever being connected to one. That'd be really, really dangerous and bad, probably. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Man. Why don't you go that level, then we'll have a conversation. I guess we'll see. I don't remember him ever being connected to one. Not that I remember, at least. Superman that was also a Venom, that'd be crazy. Well, Superman's in DC, so that wouldn't count. Well, Sentry's basically Superman. 
Basically. That's why I said the century, but we're not talking about DC. <laughs> I guess if we did a crossover, and that was a thing. Well, for people who don't know who the century is, century is like basically Marvel's version of Superman, except that he's got a multiple personality problem on do you think there's the bad guy side. Do you think there's people that listen to this, this podcast that like don't know who the century is? I mean, it's possible. I'm going to say it's possible. Sometimes when I listen to a podcast and they talk about a movie I've never seen, I just Google it. Because the thing is, Google knows everything, so... Well, that's true. It is, it is the brain, as Dell would say. No quote Dale on this podcast. I mean, he's been, on, he's been on for commercials. Day. He's been on for commercials. Anyway, um, but yeah, so two. you guys said two and a half, right? Yeah, I'll do it down the middle. Okay. Well, after some carnage, we'll move on to the Ordinary Gods... Uh, it's Image Comics. Joshua, tell me some stories about Ordinary Gods. It's written by Kyle Higgins and it's drawn by Philippe Watananabe. It starts out with some gunfire and it says 20 years ago. And it seems to be somewhere in Asia. Um, I'm not sure where. Maybe Japan. Seems maybe Yakuza style. Uh, oh yeah, right here. It says translated from Japanese. Really teeny and I missed it. And gunfire going off. People are running. And somebody's saying... Move, Matsuda. Um, get Mr. Te- uh, Teoka out. And people are, like, pushing, like, what seems like a boss of some sort out of here. Confused as to, like, um, talking about another gang that, like, like, like they're weak, but they would never hire an American. And this guy is, like, is like dang it, like, I, I'm trying to... He's got a table back behind him, and he's, like, people are firing at him specifically. Like, he's maybe the guy that's the bad guy, but he's, he doesn't seem to be like he is. And uh, they're, like, trying to get the old man into the car. And uh, the American guy jumps out and uh, fires and takes out all the remaining, like, Yakuza, like, to super, like, the bride style. They run into, like, a walk-in cooler. And uh, they're like, oh, there's no exit. Like, what's the way out of here? Like, oh, there's only one way out of here. It's back the way that we came. And the American guy, as it seems, like, is still coming, like, after him. But he's not. It's like he's coming after him, but it's not with the intent of destruction. And, uh... The person that's leading him says, hurry before, and, like, the American guy, like, shoots the one guard that's with him still and says, please, Mr. Teoka, I did not come here to hurt you. And the old man's like, you, you. And he's like, he's like, I'm here to save you, sir. You're our leader. We need to move you out of here quickly. And he's like, you're, you're Japanese as crap, and you will not. And then somebody shoots the old man in the head, and the uh, American guy is just, like, horror-stricken. And, like, the Asian guy that was his guard is like, um, somebody else's voice may be talking through him, and it says, uh, not this time, Dominic, but something tells me I'll be seeing you again, and then, like, a woman's, like, spirit comes out of this, like, this gangster's body, and, uh, then the guy dies, and the, the, the old, the old American guy's like, ah, man, like, he looks so discouraged, and then he goes to chapter, and then it says chapter one, as the world turns, it begins with, Basically, like a history lesson in what's going on in this in this universe, and it says, existing in a realm beyond our own, they've been called many things. For clarity, it's perhaps simplest, though reductive, to refer to them in layman terms, gods. Ruled by the one king, their realm is divided into thirteen territories, and it kind of like breaks it up. It's like regret, worry, guilt, sorrow, savagery, strength, cunning, envy, passion, intelligence, love, inspiration, instinct. And then it starts kind of like. It shows, like, the strength realm and the sorrow realm and then the savagery realm. And it's like, of course, some territories were better to live in than others. 
And then it shows like a bunch of guards running up. It's like this one, young, strong, a worthy sacrifice. And the, and like these guards like, are pulling this man away. And it's like, no, please, I have a wife and a child. But it's like like the system featuring subjects and rulers. There were uprisings. Subjects, it turns out, can only be made to serve for so long. Unfortunately, rebellions are pretty much moot. And and it shows one of the gods it's like just cutting people down. That was the problem that plagued every campaign for change until one of the thirteen did the unthinkable, until the luminary sparked her own rebellion. And then it flashes to now, which is a, a young young guy, I'd say a kid, but a young guy. Seems like he's make late teens, early twenties, and he's at a he's at a psychiatrist and he's just talking about like his life. He's like, Oh, I'm twenty two, I live at home, I work at the paint store. You know, I got to get a job and like eventually I'll get a promotion and then I'll, you know, I'll maybe get married, meet a girl, love, find a, find a girl, get a family, get a, buy a house and a mortgage. And, and he was like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll end up rich maybe someday if I stick with it. And he's like, well, do you think you'd like that? He's like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I just feel just as, I don't know, weak. And the psychiatrist asks like, so your word, nothing you do or the grand new matters. He's like, I'm not trying to trivialize how you feel. I'm, he's like, I, I just, I'm just asking the question. He's like, okay, well, basically, I'm depressed. And the, and, and the psychiatrist is like, that's the first time you ever said that. And all the times you come to meeting, he's like, it's all right. It, you know, everybody acts like nothing happened. He's like, your family? He's like, yeah, just my parents. You know, what about your sister? He's like, well, they told her my appendix, like, I was having my appendix out. She's only 12. So we're talking about some sort of medical event. And uh he's like, when the paramedics found you, you were saying her name. Do you remember that? He's like, I don't know if I remember it or I just think I remember it because they told me about it and I was kind of messed up. He's like, do you remember what made you call for help? And then he like, it shows him flashback on his bed and he's looking at a, a poster on something that says the Red Rebel, which is like a superhero kind of. Oh, yeah, fallen superhero style. He's like, I had this poster on my ceiling since the fifth grade, the Red Rebel. He used to be my favorite character. Of course, now I realize how stupid it actually was. I mean, the publisher only created him as a replacement. He was just a way to screw the creators of Rebel out of royalties. But I didn't know that, that then I thought he looked cool. I was 12. He's like, no, 12-year-old. Should have ha- should have to deal with how crappy life is, and he, and he looks down, and then flashes to his house later on. He's in at dinner with his family, and they're all talking about how the day went and like how his little sister wants to get this book, right? And he's like, "Yeah, my, you know, you're gonna take me, right?" And he's like, "Well, you know, like, well, maybe the car, as long as the car doesn't break down." And she's like, "What do you mean the car will break down? I already reserved the book, and I gotta get it before I gotta get it before Josie, and like because you know." If, or, and if, if, if I don't get it, then she's going to read it for me. And he's like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just okay. I'll relax. Like, and then so she goes, so, so did your appendix grow back? And like the parents look at each other kind of like, and he's like, it doesn't work like that. And so, and she's like, so it's gone forever. And then the dad starts talking about the appendix is what's called the, the vestigial organ. It used to play a part in digestive. And the mom's like, eh, let's not talk about that at dinner. Right. And say, like, okay, well, I'm glad you're okay even without your appendix and not just because you're taking me to a bookstore. And he's like, thanks, dork. And it flashes back to like a war of, of the gods 
and it starts talking about which made her betrayal, which and it kind of flashes with the, the the luminary section, and and about which made her betrayal and the betrayal of the other gods that she convinced to join are significant. The luminary, the prodigy, the brute, the trickster, the innovator, and together they wage war, liberating territories from the one king, the eight other immortals, striking down those who would not turn against the one king's tyranny. They brought freedom to hundreds of thousands of subjects. But like by like any revolution, there were natives in each territory that opposed change. And as challenging as gods were to kill, there were ways to bring them back. They were, after all, immortal. And it shows... And so it went for hundreds of years, rebellion versus the king, gods versus gods, death and rebirth, yada yada, until... There was one, the innovator, wrestled with, and with his solution, he came up with a solution. So then it flashes back to the mall, and uh, the older brother's with the two, like the his little sister and then the, 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 friend. the young friend, and they're like walking through the mall. And then they're talking about like this book, about how, like, whatever it is, it's the next book in the series, like similar to like probably Harry Potter, Hunger, yeah, Hunger Games, that kind of stuff. Same idea, yeah. And it's just like, and there's some, some lady in the mall, she's like, is that the new Billy Marvelous? I heard so good. You know, we have a test that'll tell you if you're marvelous. And the little girl's like, a test that says if you're marvelous? Just like the book? How's it work? And yada yada. And she's like, well, you know, this is how it does it. And then the Gilder brother's like, right, because you, you people believe gods are down here and we're all just descended from immortal souls that trapped on earth. And this thing's going to tell you how godlike I am and how a certain amount of each month will be able to teach me to get closer, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I, I, that's not what, I just was trying right. to... He completely catches her in like a scam thing. And that's what he thinks, at least. Yeah, and, he, and, she, and he's like, sorry, but I read the internet lately. You should try it sometime. And then it flashes back. Immortal souls could not be destroyed, but with a powerful enough prison, they could be contained. That was the principle that drove the innovator's crowning achievement, a machine designed to trap immortals, a planet turned into a prison, young enough to sustain an influx of power, empty enough to sustain an influx of life. But while the rebellion debated the morals using such a machine, their enemies did not. In the name of the one king, and then says no, and then like, everything goes all crazy. And then it flashes back, and then the, the kids like, delivering some packages in a, in a, in a sky rise, Comes up to like, uh, sorry, I think the reception room gave me the wrong number. It's like, oh no, Christopher, you're ex-. so we just find out his name's Christopher. And uh, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Please come in. Um, he's like, how do you know my name? He's like, something happened last night at the mall outside the book nook. We'd like to talk to you about. It. He's like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. I heard you, you reclamation people were pushy, but he's like, Christopher, please, we would just like to speak. And as this woman touches him, if it, it, his head flashes back to the old man, the Yakuza situation. That we see at the very beginning of the, of the comic. Right. He's like, what, what did you just do to me? He's like, we've been looking for a long time. 22 years, actually, since Tokyo. If you leave now, your life will be in danger, and I cannot guarantee what will happen. So please just... He's like, you know what? No, you people are weird. I'm out of here. Please don't touch me. Stay away from me. And then the woman that like touched him was like, it's begun. And so then it goes to, like, he's sitting at home. And he's like, yeah, of course it did. He thinks I should... Or what did your boss do? He's like, well, yeah, he thought it was weird. He seems like he get a restraining order. And he's like, I tend to agree. These reclamation people aren't scared of anything. I've heard horror stories. They sometimes harass people for years. And there's some flashbacks going on as he's talking. So I think they're going on in his head. 
And it's like, if they really want to get to you, they'll find, they'll find a way. And it's like, uh, are you feeling okay? You're not looking so great. And he like looks at his little sister, like somebody else, like, like one of his parents said that. And he looks at his sister, she's holding up a knife. And the little sister reaches out and stabs him right in the chest. Like, like not like it's on, it's on his right side. So it's not necessarily like in his heart or anything, but it's like she's reached across the with like this knife. It's crazy, and she looks nuts when and, she does it. Yeah, and the mom yells, Christopher, and, like, and the dad's like, baby girl, what's wrong with you? Put down that knife. And she takes the knife and stabs the dad, like, up under the chin, Through and kills him. Throat. Yeah, it's crazy. And during this whole time, there's flashbacks of war and death and murder. From all these different generations. And then the, and then the, the sister, little sister stabs the mom in the ear, kills her, and turns around, and, and he's just like, I, I don't understand. And she's like, they've gotten too close. We have to start over now. Close your eyes. No, we'll be alive again. And no. And then somebody shoots. Like, and she's gonna. She's got the. She's the, gonna really stab The him. knife raised, and yeah. somebody shoots her in the wrist, and like knocks the knife in. And like, it's that old. It's the. It's the guy from the beginning of the Yakuza situation. But he's a lot older now. He's like, not this time. This time I win. And whoever is inside the the little the sister's body is like Dominic. Have you managed to survive this long? It was really one of the planet's morals. Get ready for nothingness, you traitorous. And then it just like, it flashes to a bunch of other like war scenes and he throws a little girl and shoots her and he's like, stay down. And it says hundreds of thousands of deaths ranging from the dark ages to the imperial, from the personal to the impersonal. And then like the house catch, like catches on fire. And it's like, stay with me, Christopher, stay awake. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, but that was before the rebellion sent one of its own to, in, to infiltrate the prison. Before Dominic dedicated his life to finding the five. And the old man's like, you're going to be okay. You have to be okay. He's like, what, what's happening? He's like, you're the luminary, Christopher, our leader, and our only hope of destroying the world. Whether they wanted to be found or not. And that's just to be continued. So basically, it seems like the earth is the prison. Oh, yeah. And the luminary's been trapped on the prison, but like they want to destroy. They want to destroy the prison, which is the earth. Right. But yeah, like how many different gods are trapped here? I mean, it makes it sound like five, but I mean, that's a good question. And to what end do you have to destroy the earth in order to get out of the prison? I mean, that's what they're making us think. So, good or bad, I'm going to go with, I don't know. That seems bad for mostly people. So. You know. But when they're showing the flashbacks, yeah, it's like all these different generations, like all the way from like apes forward. It's crazy. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you guys score for that book, Josh? Man, it was good. I like I gave it a four. Like, you know, the art was pretty pretty chill. Like like I mean, it's image. Image always does a really good job on that. Like um it's you know, it's it's a crazy story. Like I'm curious to see what because it, it's like it's fantasy mixed with kind of history-ish stuff, but like kind of sci-fi. Like I don't know it's, it's it's a real interesting take on things. Um, I I mean I'm curious. Do you know it didn't it didn't have like a one out of anything? Do you know if it's a it's a miniseries or if it's ongoing or it's a? I want to say it's a miniseries if I remember right. Because I mean it could I mean it the way that it's written it it could be kind of an ongoing pretty pretty easily. Like, you know, at least, it, like, a, I mean, extended ongoing, like, 20 to 30 issues. I mean, just kind of depends how you look at it. But it's it's pretty cool. Um, the, the little sister stabbing the mom and dad and killing them was pretty crazy. I didn't I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, coming. it's nuts. 
I thought maybe the parents were the bad guys, and like, and all of a sudden, I was, I don't know. So you kind of don't know who's who, and if the luminary is the good guy or the bad guy, you're not sure. Like, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. I thought it was a good book, so I get it four. All right. Uh, Score-wise, the Alpha suit, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to give it three and a half. Like, it, it is really good. Like, the story's interesting. The art's great. I mean, the art's good. And this whole concept of, I mean, it's kind of reincarnation, but, I mean, not exactly that. So, I mean, that's interesting. Like, who the bad guy is and who the good guy is at this point, I mean, it's kind of a good question. So, if this is the Luminary, according to what we learned from history, the Luminary is the one that originally turned the gods against the One King. So, in order to defeat the One King, which seems like a really bad dude, because he's the guy we saw cut up all those people... The only way to do that, I guess, is to destroy Earth to get out of the prison, from what they're saying. So, I mean, that's, I don't know, it's all really interesting, and, like, how that's going to play out is a good question. Um, I want to say Kyle Higgins, I, if I remember right, I think he wrote the Lady Pendragon books back in the 90s, which I, I like those. I, I think that's who it was. I guess I don't really know that. I can't remember if that's who wrote them or not. But, like, as a thing, it's an interesting story, and an interesting series. I mean... For an issue one, we get, like, a lot of backstory, and we get a lot of, like, um, information as far as, like, how the world's built. Um, so, I, yeah, I dig it. Um, yeah, I give it a three and a half. I don't remember if it's a miniseries or not. A lot of image books don't actually say that when they start, and then eventually they release, like, how many they're supposed to be. I don't remember if it's a miniseries, though. Like, I don't, I just don't remember enough to know that. But I know they solicited at least three issues because that's how far they were solicited in the in the, ma- in the uh, previews. But yeah, whether it's an ongoing forever or whether it's a mini series, I mean, either way, awesome. I mean, at least the first issue is just so crazy. As soon as as soon as the sister goes nuts, because the night before that she's talking about her and her best friend getting the next book book to be in front of the snotty girl in school getting the best book, and it's like this whole like kid kid. So what? Was she always this either entity inside of her, or did the entity get inside of her? Like, right. how did that change? Yeah. Because the night before, she's either selling it really, really good, which, I mean, I guess, that would and make what, sense. What was, what was the, the appendix thing? Well, they don't, I don't, we don't know enough to know that yet, so something else happened, and I don't know if it means he tried to kill himself, or if it means... He got stabbed. Something, well, they talked about the, something maybe else the, happening. But maybe the sister tried to stab him. It's possible because she maybe she blacked out and stabbed him, and uh, the other people were trying to just keep it under wraps because they're protecting him. Like the parents were protecting her. No, the parents were protecting him, and then like they they were able to fight it off or some. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's hard to say what exactly. Because I mean, that's getting about. stabbed in the stomach could be very by somebody young could very easily be mistaken as a as a right, appendix star or something else. Well, they tell her that it was about his appendix, and then they they say that he was saying her name. And then we see a flash of her face for a second. So maybe she tried to kill him before and didn't realize what she was doing. Or maybe, I don't know. Because like, he doesn't seem to know anything until he gets woken up. And even then, we don't know enough to know what that means. So maybe the same thing happened with her and her first result was to try to stab him in the stomach. But it didn't go well. There's just not enough to know exactly what that is yet. Uh, but he's seen a psychiatrist for it because it's messed up. So whatever it was, it's crazy. And I think it has heavily to do with her, especially with the way the doctor tells us that he was calling her name or saying her name. Now, whether that was because he was worried about her, whether it's because she tried to stab him or whatever, I mean, who knows? At this point, I'd almost say it's because she tried to stab him. But we just don't know enough yet to know that. I imagine the next couple issues will probably iron that out. 
But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, three and a half. This is good. It's fun. I like those crazy indie stories, like especially if I know there's gonna be ending. Like, I mean, it could be. I hope, like you know, I don't know, just one of those things. Like, it's it's pretty chaotic. I mean, the the the, the cover itself I thought was rad. Oh yeah, and it was like awesome. it was like the kid at the beginning, but it like looks like some like Stalin and then, like Queen Elizabeth and then like some samurai guy, like on one side, and then like in the back it looks like. It's Abe, and then maybe Cleopatra, and then some Viking. It's like Abraham Lincoln, Abe. Yeah. But yeah, they're all like positioned behind. I don't him. know who else I'd be talking about. Abe. Almost. I mean, Abe the mailman. Not, I mean, it could be. <laughs> could be Abe. Yeah. Old honest Abe. Hey, did you speaking of out of the, out of the random? Hmm. Is it because it's animated? And it's on Netflix. Did you watch that America cartoon yet? I have not yet. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there randomly. Like, don't watch that with your kids at all. If you're listening <laughs> to this and you have kids and you want, like, this is, it's, it's rough. It's like, it's like Team America rough. Like, oh, okay. But it is absolutely hilarious. Okay. It may be one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Nice. All right. So uh, after that, we'll move on to uh, Thor number 15. This guy is uh, written by uh, Donnie Cates, and the artist on it is Michelle Venditti. This is a the issue directly after the end of the uh, the Donald Blake storyline. Titling for the series or for this issue is uh, Revelations Part One of Three. Uh, so this is culminating after a big event. What had just happened was uh, Thor's alter ego, Donald Blake, went crazy, went after Odin and Thor and everyone else, and. It then was stopped, so that's what we're picking up after all that stuff happened. Uh, so we first open up, we're in Asgard, and we see mugs being toasted full of ale. We pull back to see a room full of different Asgardians, mostly faces we know. I mean, it's got the Warriors 3 there. Uh, he's not Kid Loki, but like, younger Loki. Sif, uh, Throg is there. And in the middle of the whole room, there's Thor, and everyone else is telling war stories and toasting, and Thor's just sitting there slowly drinking. And uh, as this is going on, we have, like, a, I don't know, it's it's kind of an inner monologue happening, uh, talking about how the different speeches after a war or after a battle you have, and how generally after battle he feels a certain way, and how whenever this stuff goes on afterwards, the Asgardians like to meet in the halls and throw a big party. And then... uh as that's going on, we get another. We cut to a close-up of Thor, and uh, it talks about how the hear the furious roar roar of the sweet victory of the battle, and then it cuts to that side of Thor sitting there, and it says, "But then there's Thor." So as that's going on, we see side Thor, and there's a voice or a dialogue box coming from the outside, and it starts out with, "You should have seen it, our king, back from the fairy tale land that." And that snake that had him trapped. And then we pull back around to see who's talking. It's Volstag. And Volstag's, oh, you should have seen it. Then when he arrived clothed in the destroyer armor, you lot should have seen it. Donald Blake's face. Donald Blake's face, it was... And it kind of gets cut off, and we see Thor's face reflected in his cup of ale. And then we cut to actual Thor's face, and he says, what'd you call it? And the whole time Thor's looking down, like... Not, he's not exuberant, he's not laughing with everyone else. 
And Volsei says, what, my lord? I don't understand. What, what did I... He says, where Adama Blake held me, where he imprisoned me, you called it a fairy tale? And uh, Volstagg realizes he's made a mistake. He's like, oh, excuse me, I, uh, my tongue, I've been, I've been drinking. It's, you know, it's, it's a landscape, you know, more like, uh, more like it was merely, and the Thor says, no, you have no idea what you're talking about, Volstagg. You have no idea what it's like to be helpless. And Thor just tears into all of them. Like, it's, it's pretty Im- impressive, <laughs> but it's crazy. And, uh, like, he talks about how he, he's, he's at the point of his life where he can't believe that he has everything betrayed him, including his hammer. He's like, none of you can understand how that feels. He slams down his cup of ale and it spills everywhere, and the table rocks, and you see just everything a mess, and everyone's like, can't believe that Thor has just gone nuts at him. And Thor stands up, and he's like, I've just had too much to drink. My apologies. And, uh, of course, Volstagg's like, too much? <laughs> Like, that's not a normal thing. And Thor Thor leaves the room. And uh, we enter the next room, and we see Mjolnir sitting there on the floor. And Thor walks up to it, and he takes a hold of it. And uh, he tries to lift it. And uh, it doesn't come easily. And he's like, why? Ugh. And he winds up dropping on the ground. He's like, why are you doing this to me? What's wrong? Why, why are you... What's wrong with me? And uh, as he pulls it up, he, it flies up and around and hits him in the chest and tr- punishes him down to the ground. Or pushes him down to the ground, excuse me. And he's like, ah, damn hammer. And in the process, he knocks over a table and smashes up a, a bunch of glasses and just makes a wreck of the room. And uh, from the doorway, we see young Loki come walking in. And he's like, Thor, are you okay? I heard a noise. And Thor tells him, close the damn door. And so Loki comes over to Thor, and he's like, uh, can I help you? Like, what's going on? He's like, Loki, I can't, I can't stand, it's on my chest. And he appears to be out of breath while he's talking. And he tells Loki he can't lift it, and Loki reaches down, he picks it up with ease. Which is not a normal thing, like, at all. And, uh, Thor tells him, don't, don't, uh, don't you tell anybody about this, you understand? And Loki, with a smile, like, laughingly says, ah, tell everyone the king was drunk until he dropped his hammer? Nobody cares about that story. That's not a story to tell anyone. And uh, he excuses himself, and he's like, I'm not a warrior. I'm, oh, the Loki doesn't call him the king. He says, a warrior getting drunk and dropping his hammer? That's not a story anyone wants to hear. And uh, we, as Loki goes to leave the room, Thor says, I'm not a warrior. I'm a king. And uh, Loki's still like, well, Thor... Uh, where are you going? And Thor decides to leave, and he says, I have to go to Midgard. I have to end this. And so Thor's the one that exits the room after telling Loki not to say anything. And this is the younger Loki. He's not the mischievous, uh, evil Loki. So where he sits in the world, it's, it's not the same as before. So it's not an unheard of question to ask him. Anyhow, uh, from there we cut to a giant battle in the middle of New York. And now we're surrounded by a bunch of the Avengers. They're fighting off these crazy, like, I don't know, robot mech liquor things? that are part robot and part animal. And, uh, I mean, they're doing pretty good. We got Captain Marvel there, Iron Man there, but they're all covered in them. There's just so, so many. And they're shooting, like, tentacle tongues and bullets and lasers at them. And you can see that the Avengers are doing okay, but they're kind of overwhelmed. And, like, Tony Stark tells Steve Rogers, he's like, oh, these 
you got to figure out how to handle these cyber monsters. I don't have anything in my playbook. To, I don't want to put up these things today. And Captain Marvel's like, oh, well, they're not exactly like the hardest thing to fight, Tony. This isn't the smartest evil plot we've ever dealt with. And, uh, you know, Steve Rogers, of course, is quippy, too, and he says something. And we see She-Hulk and Ghost Rider and Blade. And Blade's like, yeah, if any of you guys have an ace in the hole, it's time to play it now. And the Black Panther's there. So this is the current Avengers team. And about that time, we hear a boom, and we see one of the, uh... Oh, gosh, what do they call the transports for Asgard? When you're beamed someplace, what is that called? The Bifrost? A Bifrost gate, that's what it is. Um, and it basically, you know, has Thor come out of it in a hero pose, you know. And he's like, Captain Rogers, we need to speak. And Cap's like, oh, well, it's great to see you. Um, I'm sure we can talk about that as soon as we take care of this problem. You want to help us out here, pal? And he's like, I was hoping to speak in private. And the, as Thor just walking through this huge group of these crazy cyber monster things, um, he uppercuts one of them, and, uh, she hulks like Thor, robot monsters? He's like, oh yeah, my apologies. One moment. And we see his eyes go full on lightning, and he just unleashes hellfire lightning on all these things, and toasts them. It's, it's awesome. It's a really cool shot. <laughs> From there, we cut to Captain America just standing there now, because all the monster things are gone. And Cap's like, well, that was loud. Well, I'm, su- I'm supposed to thank you, um... I think things are in order, and he's like, I prefer to speak to you in private, Captain. Because he's like, oh, you, you want to talk? What do you want to talk about? And uh, he's like, we need to talk in private. And so as Thor turns in to get Captain America and follow him, Iron Man fl- kind of floats over, and he's like, oh, that was a heck of an entrance. There, big guy, you come to uh, surrender to our little war of pranks? In one of the previous series, is there is a batch of stuff where it was Tony and Thor kind of trying to prank each other. Anyway, it references that story. And he goes to pat Thor on the shoulder, and we see a lightning bolt strike down and just hit Tony's hand a little bit. And Tony's like, ah, oh, man, what the hell, man? He's like, I have no time for your games. I need to speak with the captain in private. And that's when Thor comes around, or when Cap comes around the front of him, and he points at him, points at him and he's like, hey, you need to be careful. You, what's your problem? What are you doing, Thor? And uh, about that time, we start seeing Mjolnir start uh, shaking and vibrating, and Thor's like, ah, uh, Captain, guard yourself quickly. I can't I can't control this. And uh, about that time, we see the hammer full-on go crazy, lightning-style, and try to strike Cap. Cap, of course, blocks it with his shield. He's like, Thor, you, you hit me. He's like, Captain, it's not me. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And he basically explains to Cap that the hammer is making its own decisions, and he can't control it the way he needs to control it. And the Cap's like, it's okay, big guy. Uh, yeah, um, let's go talk. And so from there we adjourn to Avengers Mountain, which uh, of course is a giant celestial buried in the snow. And now uh, we re-meet with Cap and Thor, both sitting around a table. Thor with many, many, many beers, and Captain America, you know, of course, just sitting there talking to him. He's like, when was the last time we saw each other? And Cap says, um, what? I don't understand. Humor me. He's like, oh, well, we fight against Null, so the uh, Venom God. And we face the Phoenix Force, which is the most recent story that ended in just the Avengers. Because I'm sorry, Thor, I don't understand. Why do you ask me this? He's like, because I don't remember. I don't remember. I never do. You see, immortality comes with a price. A moment of battle for you, a, ma- a battle of war, is just a day. You remember it, just like you remember any other day. But for me, this is a bridge again. 
for me, it's only a moment, a millisecond. I don't think of it any different than you would think of what you had for breakfast last week. Because I don't remember it the same way you do, because my life is so long. That's why whenever I see you, I'm so happy to see you, because you're still alive. And time moves differently for me. So we get this whole cool batch of dialogue. I mean, it's really freaking good. And he's, like, explaining to him how time moves for him, and how he will be alive so, so long, but Asgard will outlast even him. And uh, while he's explaining this to Captain America, he explains to him that uh, he's been having trouble using the hammer, and the hammer's not responding the way it should. And Cap's like, well, Thor, I, I had no idea. I, I've lost time as well. I mean, when I woke up from the ice, I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like for you to have... I, I'm so sorry. And uh, the two of them have that kinship for that. I mean, Steve went to sleep in the ice, and his whole world changed. And for Thor, the way things are in his head, it's not the same way, and he doesn't, it doesn't resonate the same with him, which is a really cool thing to sort of learn. I mean, that's interesting. That's the first time I'm, like, <clears throat> that I can remember that him, like, talking about that. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm not any time to ever remember that kind of thing being discussed. Uh, but anyway, as he's talking about it, he's like, well, I thank you, Steve, but uh, it's the burden of a warrior and of a god. And he, he goes on and explains a little bit more, and he goes, but, um, and it was, and it was a, I was a soldier, but I'm no longer a soldier. And he's like, I'm sure that you're aware that the, that the troubles with Mjolnir is tied to disobedience. I believe it has something to do with the reason the reason why. And then Cap's like, well, Tony told me you're getting getting uh, it's getting heavier and harder for you to carry. He's like, uh, you can while well, you can still pick it up, but you can't control it right. He goes, uh, I don't I don't know what to say or anything I can. And he cuts him off, and he's like, It's because I'm no longer the tip of Asgard's spear. My father forged the hammer for a warrior. I'm no longer a warrior. Now I'm a king. Because I'm a king, the hammer no longer responds to me the way it needs to. And he basically explained that because of his transition into being the Allfather, that the hammer no longer respects him the way it did when he was a warrior. At the end of the conversation, Thor leaves the hammer in the middle of the table. And he walks away from it because he feels like he has to. Because he can't control it the way it's supposed to be controlled. He goes, I can no longer control this hammer. And he just leaves it sitting on the table, and we see a close-up of the, uh, whoever can wield the hammer is worthy to possess the powers of Thor written on the side of it, you know. And that's where the book exits, with him leaving the hammer in front of Cap on this table in Avengers Mansion. Which is crazy. Because he basically decided to give up the hammer. And with all the trials and tribulations that Thor has dealt with over the last couple of years, just dealing with getting the hammer back, after the whole secret, uh... Oh gosh, what was it called? It wasn't Secret Empire, it was Secret, uh... Oh gosh. I can't remember now. Oh, Original Sin, it wasn't Secret at all. The Original Sin storyline. Yeah, that one's Fury yeah, yeah. and Whispering Something in His Ear. That's the one. So with all the trouble and all the problems he's had trying to get back to where he could control it, and now at this point he's like, yeah, it just doesn't work for me anymore, and basically leaves it. But it's not even that it doesn't seem like it, that it doesn't work for him. It doesn't seem like it works for anybody, though. The way it's behaving, it's not behaving like it should at all. Yeah, because like Loki being able to pick it up just at all is super weird. And he actually mentions that when he's talking to Steve. He talks about how it's, it's able to be picked up by people that shouldn't be able to pick it up, which is not okay. Right. So it, 
I don't know if it's... But like, then he can still use it and pick it up and do things with it as well sometimes, but other times, like... It just won't work for it. It just acts funky. Yeah. And, like, it actually attacks Cap on its own, and so it's like, it's not even, it's not that it's acting, that it's, like, being heavy and not heavy for people who are and aren't worthy. It's, like, it's actually acting out on its own. Like, the hammer itself has a mind of its own, which is bizarre. Well, we've kind of seen something about that before, um... As far as a kinship to it being a living entity instead of just a hammer. But as far as the thing, yeah, the way it's behaving is like, I don't know, like a smited girlfriend. It's acting out and like making weird decisions itself. I mean, that's a wrong way to call that. But yeah, the way it's the behaving is. Cap is somebody like, who should technically be able to wield it, which she has yeah. multiple times yes. in multiple different story arcs. So it's like. Lashing out a cap is weird. Loki being able to pick it up is weird. Oh, yeah. Like, there's just, like, other... It's behaving completely crazy. Which, yeah, is definitely weird. It's very interesting. No, but it, did you say that Revelations is the, the story arc that this, this kicks off? Si, senor. So, I mean, I know you know from, like, Diamond and, like, what's up coming up and everything. Like, what's coming up with that? Well, there's Revelations some- is, it's a three-part storyline. Like, the write-ups are, like, one sentence. They're terrible. Right? Oh, so there's not much to So it. I don't have any idea what that actually means, but this particular thing is a three-part story, which it tells us in the intro page, which happens, like, five pages in. So there's at least two more parts of this particular story. So whatever answers we're going to get are the next two issues to try to explain that or make sense of it. Uh, but yeah, as far as the Diamond write-ups, they're not... I mean, they're the same ones you can get from the previews website, so they're like two sentences and usually a picture, and that's it. So I don't know much more past what is happening here, and it is crazy to me. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, score-wise, I mean, man, I give it a three and a half. It's an interesting story, and even without, even if you don't have the precursor to the previous battle, it gives you enough pieces here to tell you what's happening, and the paragraph statement, if you read that, which, again, it's five pages in, so where it's at is kind of weird. Uh, but where they have the title head and the credits for the book, it gives you those three those three small paragraphs that give you enough pieces to be able to move forward. And uh, as far as, like, the art, art's good. I mean, I think the book looks awesome. I mean, the scene with him and Cap, like, not really fighting, but the hammer fighting is awesome. The whole lightning bolt serad that took out all the cyber monsters, so cool. Um, so art-wise, it's great. Story-wise, it's really good. I mean, Diane Cates is killing it. Like, the dude's so good. Uh, but yeah, I give it a three and a half. It was awesome. I give it a four, man. I, I you know, like, it was, it, it's a beginning of something, but it's also other things have happened, and I just, I, it, it didn't matter that I wasn't quite sure what had gone on previously. Like, I, do, I, I kind of know something, again, like, kind of like the, the symbiote thing, I kind of know something's going on. But as the flow of the story goes, I didn't really need to know what was going on. I just know that, like, like Meloiner is like acting weird, and that like he's going to Cat for help and going to the Avengers for help. You know what I mean? That's just right. like I I know I I kind of know some original sin stuff. I kind of know some other things going on, but it's just like I don't know. Like I didn't need to know those things. Like I know that he's just like hey. Something happened, like, my hammer's acting weird, and I can't do what I normally can do with this thing. It's making me feel less, as a person, because this hammer has, like, made me, like, compl- like it's 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 his, like, his connection to whatever his power is, which, right. which kind of is cool, because they, they, they cover that, like, you know, when, when it gets, when it gets crushed in, was it the third Thor movie? Oh, for the, uh... 
or uh, for the Marvel movies. Yeah. That was in uh, Ragnarok. Yeah, so like, like it kind of makes him feel lost because he's like, oh, I lost my power, but like, he's like, you're the god of thunder, man. Like, you don't need a hand. Right. Like, so like, maybe they're doing some cool, something cool like that. I don't know. You know, I don't like, the, like the the art for the next issue. Looks like about that cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like he's in a fist fight with like an old man with an eye patch. So it, I mean, it, it, it could very well be Odin. I don't know. It's Odin. Oh, yeah. No, it's him for sure. Which is cool, you know, like what's Odin doing? What's what's going on? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm into it. Like, it's 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 it gets a. That's what needs to happen on a story arc. It's just like even if you don't know what what has gone on previously, and that's what like sometimes I think that like story arcs get so convoluted that like you go back like nineteen different story arcs and nineteen different like crossovers and this and this and that and that and that. Just like what is even going on anymore? And it's like, I think that this is a good example to me anyway, that I'm like, oh, this is just a cool character named Thor, and he's with these other cool characters, and he goes and like asks for help with these other characters, and it's like such a simple thing, like not that much happens in this book, but so much happens in this book, and it was like very well done, like... Oh yeah, the dialogue alone, like the whole... Him interpersonalizing to Cap America, like how the world works for me. Oh, fantastic! So good. Like that's, I mean, and maybe it has happened before, but like honestly, maybe. this is one of the coolest like conversations between Thor and anybody that I've ever seen. Like, it really humanizes him, but in like a godlike way. Like it's hard to explain. Like because he's like, hey, the things that you do, you guys do in a year, that's like a minute for me. He's like, I don't. He's, I just. I've lived a thousand years. I've lived a thousand lives. Like you guys aren't don't understand. Like I'm a god. I'm a on a whole other level, right? Which is really, really, really cool. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's really well put together. Like writing wise, Kate is killing it. Like he's so good. And like yeah, it's a yeah, it's a really cool way to perceive how Thor works. And I yeah, like you said, maybe then maybe that's happened someplace else before. I'm gonna tell you, I don't remember it, but. That's awesome. Really cool. Well, uh, we'll move on to A Nice House on the Lake. Yeah, man. This one's a little, little wonky, a little crazy. So, uh, it's a DC Black Label book. Um, so, before we get into this, it doesn't seem like a DC book. It's a DC Black Label book, which would be like maybe a, in the old days, that would be considered like a Vertigo Yeah, basically. Book. But they've since done away with Vertigo, haven't they? Uh, yeah, Vertigo, the imprint itself, ended a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, it, this would be akin to that for sure. Like the way it, the way it feels and the way it works. It's not a superhero proper type book. It's a. It, it would be if Vertigo was still a thing. This would be a Vertigo book because it's like it's not any characters or any of those things that you would normally know. Right. It's not a. Yeah. It's not a proper like superhero type book. This is called The Nice House on the Lake. CCR. It is written by James Tinian the Fourth, and the cover and the artist both are Alvaro Martinez Bueno. I would have to think the Bueno part is like added because he thinks I mean probably. He's good. Um anyway. This book starts out with a woman who's um sitting on some steps with a spear. And there's like this big massive like symbol behind her, and it's like it's pouring rain, like but 
it's the symbol things lit up and like maybe fire. Not sure what's going on. She's got blue hair, and uh, she's talking. She's like, "It was the end of the night in Brooklyn. One of a dozen identical early summer bar nights, the ones that all blend together because the cast of characters keep changing." And I, I, I love the way this beginning of the story happens. It's just like. If you've ever been a part of that scene where just like sitting on patio, sitting in bars, and it's like a hot summer night, and everybody's just like kind of flowing, and just talking to people, and this person you haven't seen in a week, and this person you haven't seen in a month, and you're just like, the the, the cast just keeps rotating, and like, and I, I've been in those situations, I've been in that scene, it's pretty, it's pretty, and the way that it's written and it's described is pretty cool, and uh, and she's just, she's like, I got used to introducing myself and pretending that you know, these people weren't floating with me or that they wanted me or whatever. And then I met this guy and he asked me a question and he was sitting at the end of the table. He would just sit there and laugh and listen, but he wouldn't really say much, but he finally talked and he said, how do you think the world will end? And she goes on to say, like explain how the story goes. And, and basically that she says like, what? And he's like, how do you think the world will end? And she's like, well... And she goes on to give her... Her idea of like, well, you know... Maybe like a Robert Frost novel. Or, or you know, or maybe like like Terminator. Or maybe... In, and he's just like... They go on to... You know, maybe... And she's like, maybe I'm an optimist. Or I don't know. But I, I'd like to think that it'll end well. And like that maybe the like time will just move on. And that like maybe the America will end as what America is. And maybe... And maybe, you know, it'll just be one of those things is because, like, all empires fall and then new empires rise, but, like, the human humans will just be what we are. We'll just we'll continue as what we are. And it's like, and we, 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 we'd meet up, we'd, we'd watch a, a post-apocalyptic film, we'd talk, we'd have drinks, but, like, things never got that, they never went that way. Like, she, like it just never was that thing. And she, we'd text, we'd call, but it just never was... Never like a really. It was never. It was a relationship. It just was what it was. Right. And she, talking about. And Walter. she's like. And she's like. And I. Jo- and that. And that's. We come to find out that his name is Walter. Right. And which is what I was getting ready to get to. Get to anyway. Right. So um, as she's telling the story, she's like walking up these steps in this post-apocalyptic world, and it's pouring rain still, and there's all these symbols and things, and then it shows an email, and it says, "We can get away this summer." Hello, all you beautiful monsters. It's been busy. It's been a busy... Oh, uh, before this, she goes, like, you know, it was nice. But then it stopped, and I didn't really hear from him for almost two years until I got an email. So that's how this the email starts. And it's like, it's been a busy, busy few years. We've all spread ourselves thin around the country and abroad. It's not as easy to meet up for a drink as it used to be. Even those of you I still live in the city with rarely get to see me, especially given the state of the world. I miss you all terribly, and that's something I like to remedy. A few days ago, a friend of my mom said I could borrow his lake house in upstate Wisconsin for a week this summer, June 14th to the 20th. I've attached a few pictures, and I would attach more, but they're honestly too beautiful, and I think you'd be all be convinced I'd made the whole thing up. But I promise you, it's real. This is important to me. This is why I've been texting you all mysteriously about your summer schedule and plans, so no pretending you have something better to do. If you need help with travel, let me know. If you need to be strong-armed into coming, let me know and I'll unleash my very strong arms. I'll send more a more detailed itinerary as we get closer. Walter. 
and it shows this amazing. There's, there are a few pictures with like, um, the same symbol that she's walking by in the intro parts, like as a statue in the courtyard of this amazing mansion, mountain home. Right. So then we come back to the main character. So then he goes to day one, and it's the main character who is the narrator at the beginning of the book, and uh, she's blue hair now, which didn't seem like she had blue hair then. Like maybe she did, but like, it didn't. It didn't. Wow. She does, and she doesn't. Like she has blue hair periodically. I think it depends like, on what time it's supposed to be. And she's got a mask on, so it's obviously COVID time. COVID time, which is ridiculous. And and it says the artist. Ryan Kane, 26 years old, New York cluster, first encountered five years ago at, at Beer Garden 33 in Greenpoint as friend of the comedian's then-girlfriend, chosen in Brooklyn, New York, six months ago. So it's like a write-up on her. And, and she walks up to the house, and she sees a woman outside smoking. He's like, hey, I know you. I was like, oh, he dragged you into this? I'm so sorry. What an effing monster. And she's like, ah, that's fine. Like, you haven't gone inside yet? Like, is it fi- not fine inside? She's like, oh, it's effing perfect inside. I feel like I'm sulling the place by even looking at it. If I had to go, if I had the money, I'd go to the motel off the freeway. I guess I'll stay here in paradise instead. My firm second choice. I gotta scan you before you come in. And then it says, the writer. Nora Jacobs, 34 year old female, high school cluster. First encountered 19 years ago outside the carpool entrance of Marquette University High School. Chose to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 18 years ago. Name and gender revised five years ago. So she scans her forehead with the temperature thing, like, basically, because... COVID style. As yeah. COVID fart, it's, it's kind of on the same lines with this. And like, this guy's weird, right? He's like, yeah, that statue looks sad for us, doesn't he? He's talking about the, the picture with the statue's been in all the pictures. He's talking about how the two things kind of look like eyes. Right. Yeah. Well, she's looking at the statue, but she thinks it looks sad. But it's weird that she says the statue looks sad for us. Because they're all coming inside, yeah. Doesn't he? Like, but she's like, what do you mean, doesn't he? Like, this, like she's like giving the, like the statue a gender. Like right. Given, like, it's, it's like, it's because he knows we're trapped here and that there's no escape. Temperature is normal, so that goes for you, too. And, Ryan says, do I know anyone else in there? She's like, you probably know more people than I do these days. I don't get out from my horrible cave too often. Um, she walks inside and it's immaculate. Like it's, and it's just like the, the, the opening living quarters is a grand piano and like this huge spacious couch spread with like three different couches and chairs and coffee table and a massive kitchen and like basically like, like rock like rock mountain side pillars, like that, like that the, the house is built into, and and uh, the writer says, or no, Ryan says, "What the f?" And the writer says, "I know, like what, you know, what's going on?" So it's like then all of a sudden downstairs, like people start coming. So it's like this guy's like, "Ah, I was looking for the TV in a, in a movie theater and built in seat massagers. Like it's amazing. It's like you leave me alone there. I'm gonna think I'm gonna have a continuous orgasm until the until you drag me away. He's all sticky and horrible. And then it gives like so it's this guy with like short shorts and a party shirt and a hat and obviously a beer, some sort of drink. This is the comedian David Day, 32 years old, male. 
College Cluster New York Cluster, first encountered 11 years ago at the consultant's 21st birthday party at Sarah Lawrence College, chosen in New York four years ago. And then he's like, oh, hey, Ryan, I didn't know Walter invited you. I thought this was all college and high school folk. And she's like, uh, I guess not. So he knows he knows Ryan. So that's two people right away that know her. Yeah, it's crazy how they're kind And he's connected. like, right on. It'll be dope here. Let me show you the place. And, and he's like, she's like, uh, sure. And questions Nora, the writer. Like, oh, you kids go on without me. This has been stimulating enough. Uh, gotta ease in. And then it goes to another woman, the accountant, and then the scientist, and the, and the reporter, and the acupuncturist, and all these people are like, their their descriptions and their talk and their like interactions at this place, and it's beautiful. And like this, it's one of those moments in the one scene where like the sun's out, but it's like sprinkling rain, and it's just beautiful. And then it shows the consultant finally, then the doctor, then the pianist. And it just keeps introducing all these, like, wonderfully crazy talented people in their own fields, and they're all beautiful and crazy and wonderful in their own way. Well, and every one of them's got one of those, like, met this year, met this place, yeah, chosen they, this they all, time. Yeah, they all have a description of, like... Yeah, it's and, crazy. But going through all of them, like, it would be, like, they're oh, all... No, it's nuts. There's a lot of them. Yeah, it's like a description of each one of them, like, when they met and who they are and what they're all about, and why they were... kind of why they were chosen... How they connect to each other. Yeah, it's like a check card of how these people... Not even, not even how, why, but like where they were chosen. Right. And then all of a sudden you get a bundle of food and wine, like groceries, like thrown onto the kitchen table and it says Walter and the Walter's there and says like, I'm glad you came. Now who wants to test these steaks out on the grill? And then it gives this, it shows the email between Walter and Ryan and it says this summer... And I skipped multiple pages because, like, there's the email parts of this book kind of, like, get a little bit long, but yeah. they, they flow. And it says, Ryan, I'm so very glad you agreed to come to this house this summer. It's been more difficult to nail everyone down than I expected. The house was meant to have room for 15, but we're down to 12 coming for the week. Disappointing, but I think the others will be more disappointed in the long run. Attached to this email, you'll find all the information you need to get to the house from the airport, which is simple enough. A driver will be waiting for you when you get off your flight. You'll also find a few helpful maps of the house and the grounds. I created little name place cards for everyone that will be placed around the house. I did it because I think it's fun and also because these documents talk about the others attending and wanted to keep the final guest list a little mysterious. This is more a concern with my other friends to keep them from asking around and looping in people who weren't invited. You are the artist. Over the course of your visit, you might find a few little treats labeled with your symbol that I know you'll appreciate. Most importantly, you'll find your symbol on your bedroom. You'll be sharing a room with the writer, who I promise you know and like. Please text if you have any questions or concerns, but I really couldn't be happier that you're going to make it. It wouldn't be the same without you, Walter. So then it shows like a scene where... People are laying in the pool and at the bar on the side of the pool and like grilling and hanging out. And it just like, it shows a lot of like squiggly lines and like just a lot of random words of random conversation that are going on. Right. So it's like background noise to what's actually happening. Right. And it's just like, it's the evening. And and as Ryan sits there and and happened earlier in, in the, in the book, you, you, you find out that like nobody has service. And if anybody does have service, please let them know because they want to check Zillow to see how much his house is worth. Right. And all of a sudden, service. all of a sudden, Ryan, the main character, the artist, find, 
she gets service, and she's like, what the... Holy crap. No. And it shows all these things are popping up on, like, basically, it's it's not Twitter. Like, you know, it's, it is Twitter, but it's not Twitter. Yeah. But it's like, it's like a... Twitter without the brand name. And it just starts showing all this horrible trust, like, this craziness, like a plague is spread, and, like, what's going on in New York, and the boils, and don't do this, and don't do that, and, like, just try not... To, and they, they explode in fire, like, the, like, if you pop a boil, they explode in fire, and people are catching on fire and dying, and, like, the whole world's burning to the ground, basically. And she's like, runs up to everybody and she's like, there's, there, there's something wrong. And she's like, and they're, they're, they question her and she's like, everyone shut the F up. There's something wrong. And they're like, she's like, New York City is gone. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, there are pictures of people burning alive all over Twitter and Instagram and oh my, oh, oh F, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw up. And they're like, it's not real. Is it? And they're like, where's the TV in this place? And then the next thing it shows them. And then it's emergency broadcast system. This is a message from the emergency broadcast system. An attack has been made against the United States. Further attacks may be incoming. Seek shelter immediately. And they're all standing around, like, watching. They're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? we we, we got to make a plan. we got to get to a bigger city. we got to figure something out. And then it shows Ryan, and she just, like, she looks at Walter. And she's like, I guess the conversation is over. And, Ryan, and Walter is just kind of smiling, and he's like, you picked. And, and then the writer says, what is she talking about, Walter? And and Ryan yells, just tell them, don't pretend. And I was like, what? And he's like, there's nowhere for you to leave. No no world to go back to, not in any way that matters. This is why I brought you here. I wanted to save you from what my people were going to do to your planet. I'm not going to explain to you what I really am or why this was necessary. I'd rather you all think of me as the man you always knew me to be, your friend. That's why I arranged this a corner of the world preserved for you to live out the rest of your lives in peace. You don't want for anything. You, you have delicious food, alcohol, kayaks, boats, entertainment. You have this incredible house I built just for you, and you have each other. But you will never be able to leave. I'm sorry, everyone, you just can't leave. This house, this lake, the beautiful woods around us, this is what's left. The seven billion people out there, they're all dead. Or they will be shortly, anyway. And somebody asks, well, what the F are you talking about, Walter? And he says, put the horrors away, open another beer, put on the music, relax. Nothing out there matters to you anymore. You're all, you are okay. You are all going to be okay. And the writer takes, like, a fire poker and, like, swings at him and bashes what you think bashes him, but it kind of goes through him. Yeah. And and everybody's like, oh, what the what the heck? And his face just kind of goes and goes back to normal. And all of a sudden, her arm bursts into blood and side. It's I, like when she went through him, her hand got in there too, and it messed messed it. it up. Yeah, he's like, I know you're all hurting, but in time you'll see that this was the right call. I'll be back every now and then to toast to the old world. Until then, I hope you find it. Until then, I hope you find it in you to enjoy yourselves. I love you all. And then he just kind of disappears, and it says to be continued. And they're all just like, what the heck is going on? And they're all around the writer like, are you okay? Because she's the one that swung at him. And Ryan's just like, uh... Because I think that she had a little bit of a closer relationship with him than did anybody else. Because they, uh, It seems that way. Like, maybe with the futuristic part, because like, they talked about like earlier on, like, choosing, like, what you had to choose and what you were going to do, right. and all that kind of stuff. Like, but man, it was a really interesting cool book. The art was interesting. Like, uh, 
I don't know, man. Like I, I would get, I give it a strong four, a strong four. Like I don't want to go above that because I'm kind of curious where it's going to go. I'd almost give it a four and a quarter. We don't give quarters very often, but it was a cool book. I like the story. There's a lot to it. Like I, I left a lot of a lot of detail out only because I want people to be able to pick it up. And it says book one, so it's gonna. I'm not sure. How I would say it's a twelve part mini series. Twelve part. I remember right. So it might be because it's like. 12 parts because there's 12 people that are involved, maybe, makes which makes a lot of sense, and they all have their own symbol. Um, and like as she tells the story from the beginning, like it's the future's already happened, and she's like maybe escaped or moved, moved on from what's going on. I don't know. It's a, it, it's a cool theme, it's a cool idea. Like, I'm really excited to see where it's going. And being a Black Series book, I really hope that it gets like the attention that it deserves because it seems really cool. Like, uh, uh man, yeah, it was it was good. Uh, what do you think, man? Well, story wise, I mean, it's James Tinian, and like at this point, that dude's killing it too. Him and Donna Cates both are just so good. Um, he's the same guy's writing something's killing the children. He's writing regular Batman, and he's great. Um, story wise, yeah, it's really interesting, and it is getting a lot of notice. I mean, this is the second printing of the issue that we're dealing with actually right now. Um, so issue two has already come out. Uh, three, I want to say, I think is in the next two weeks. So, if you want to get in on it, I mean, now's the time. But yeah, as far as the thing, it's really pretty cool. And, like, what I expected it to be is not what it is. Um, I expected something a little more along the lines of, hey, everybody come out to this house and uh, let's see who can survive the fight. Which, I mean, that might lead to part of what's going on. But the in-catch is just so crazy that it's like, wow, this is not what I expected. Um, which is awesome. Uh, so issue one is p- pretty good. Uh, score-wise, yeah, I give it a four and a half. Like, it's it's written really well. The in- the concept is so interesting. And, like, I'll give you the characters. Some of them seem throwaway But the way they all connect, and, like, as you're reading it, they're giving the whole breakdown of these people. And, like, that stuff's all really weird till you get to the end. And then you're like, oh... That's what they mean by chosen. He picked them this long ago. That's crazy. And he talked about there being other people. Which other he, was, people he was hoping there'd be fifteen. Yeah. And, and then, like, as you read like the 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 news reports and all like the different messages, people are like don't pop the boils because like people are popping the boils that are like growing on their faces from this weird plague, and they're like they're exploding in fire. Yeah. Which is like, oh, That's so gross. Pretty crazy, man. Like, um, even the cover is really, really cool. It like it looks like um, worn and tattered paper, and then like like uh, Ryan's like in a in a lake with like a bunch of. Uh, it looks like dead bodies, dead, well, skeletons, skeletons, like skulls, like like skeletons, like full on, just like just floating in the lake, right in front of the uh, crazy lake house that she's at. Right. Anyway, man, it's 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 a it's a cool idea. Like, I'm curious. I'm I'm curious about it. Like. This might be of the couple things that I'm curious about. Like, I want to throw this on my uh, books to watch. Sure. It's like I'm like, wow, interesting. Like, I was I was pretty shocked on this one. This one was a surprise. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's really pretty good. Like, it really is. And for being like a black label style book, I mean, I, I I'm other than Ryan, everyone else seems to be like a, a maybe that maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't, because. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, the the woman that she's supposed to share the room with, the writer, is kind of a Janine Garofalo type character. Yeah, the way she looks, character, yeah. you know. And 
you know, and everybody, I mean, it's just an interesting, like, you really have to, like, delve into this one. This would be one to really definitely pick up, in my opinion, like, there's just so much going on, and, like, the, with the art, like, you, there's this little nuance, like, little things you can pick up from it on your own, like, that I noticed, I don't want to, I just don't want to throw away with having read, like, a lot of, like, sci-fi and a lot of sure fantasy and things like that, like, over the years, like, I'm like eh, I don't want to, like, I, I picked up on some nuances on my own. I don't want to like th- give things away, but like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's good. I think, yeah, I'm pretty stoked on this one. So, yeah. Well, um, let's see with that wrapped up, what'd you learn today, Josh? Well, weirdly, this this is going to be not what you were expecting me to say, but um, huh. I didn't realize Fables was on DC Black Label now. Well, it's because Black Label's included a few other things, and we are getting ready to get something new from Fables again. But I didn't know Fables was DC. Oh yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was an Image all those years ago. No, DC Vertigo. Well, it used to be Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like that. I I I, thought, I always thought their Image. No, yeah, Fables. Fables is is always been a DC property. Hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. So I learned that, that's a real thing I learned. <laughs> Not even when it comes to jokes. Yeah, I used to read that in the back of the day, and I always thought it was Image for some reason. Uh, styling isn't isn't DC proper either, though with the way it's styled. Yeah, but I mean, like Sandman and stuff like that. I mean, like when it comes to Vertigo stuff, like there's always like those kind of books, but they all kind of I don't know. I just always thought for some reason it was Image. But anyway, uh, what I learned today, Josh? Well, most little sisters will stab you in the throat or in the face or whatever. Be careful, and they might take out your appendix, even though it's not really your appendix. Also, Mjolnir. Everybody says it a little bit differently, but you can Google it, and it'll show you how to say exactly. So, right. So those are the things that you learned. That's why. But again, I'm just going to start saying at the end of every episode, what you learned today is Google works really well. <laughs> well that's not a good answer, but okay. It is a great answer. That's why Cat Dinning calls him Mew Mew. Even, <laughs> even though like they just track everything that we do and try and sell us products that we don't need, they still do some really cool things. Google? Mm-hmm. Uh, the devil. Everybody needs to like uh, check out DuckDuckGo, though. It actually is awesome. DuckDuckGo? Right. It's a new search engine. It's not new. It's been around for a while. And it, like, it's like, hey, Google, show me like what's going on in Cuba. And they're like, nah, we're not going to show you that. We don't want to show Americans what's going on in the world. And you go to DuckDuckGo, they're like, okay, here it is. That's funny. Yeah, check it out. It's actually like it, you can find things real easy, like... Google's like they pay for like people like bump over to the top instead of just like the the tops like thing. So right. There's a couple other ones, but like that seems to be the best one. And I I, I heard it from, about it from Joe Rogan, and like I was like, eh, whatever. And like I checked it, I was like, oh, this actually works really well. So nice. Yeah. And it like deletes your search history like as soon as you get off it. Like as soon as you search something, you get off and it like just goes away. Like there's no cookies. There's no. It doesn't trace anything. It's like. So check that out. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So if you want to search from like what's going on in the world and like, hey, what's going on in this warring part of the world and like that America doesn't want us to know about because it like might make us disagree with you with somebody that we don't want you to disagree with, like check out DuckDuckGo. Oh, oh, it's pretty cool. So oh, right. it's not just like, uh, remember how like Hello Jeeves and all those ones? Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of them just, like, went through Google or went through Yahoo. Basically, and, yeah. But, like, this one's, like, different, so. That's cool. I do like Jeeves because they have a little butler. That's the only reason. <laughs> um, we got any books to watch there, Josh? I mean, I know you said Nice House on the Lake. Yeah, all the stuff that's coming up with the, uh, for DC with the, um, 
crossover stuff. It's like uh, the Superboy as Superman. Oh, right, right. So the Infinite Frontier stuff. I mean, they all kind of look good. Like the like uh, Infinite, like the Robin book looks good. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. I haven't even read it yet, but the like, the Superman and the Authority looks really, really cool. I said that last week. So any of those, any of that stuff, like I was kind of I was kind of stoked on that whole shebang. There's some Swamp Thing stuff, and I always like Swamp Thing, so. Sure. Well, yeah, series-wise, all three of those have been good. I mean, we've talked about the Robin book here on the show, so yeah, it's been great. Um, as far as, like, a thing, the new Superboy and Superman books, they do look really cool, so I think that'll be neat. I mean, as far as a, a thing, I mean, it's leaning towards that whole um, future state sort of story with John. So I guess we'll see how that goes, but, I mean, it looks cool. As far as uh, books to watch, suggestion-wise, uh, I only got a couple uh, this week. So, uh, Something's Killing the Children, of course, uh, written by the same dude who did Nice House on the Lakes with James Tenian. Uh, that was, like I said, Volume 3 came out. It's great. Then there's Echo Lands, and Echo Lands is coming out from Image. Uh, it's J.H. Williams III doing the art for it, so you should know him from Bat, well, from Batwoman back during the 52 storyline. Uh, art for it looks really awesome. I mean, it's an image book, so as far as a thing, if you miss the boat at the beginning, you probably miss the boat altogether. Um, but that looks freaking awesome. I think that's really cool. Um, as far as other things, they're getting ready to do a book that is a Batman Green Arrow versus Vampires. Um, which I want to say is, best I can tell you is a mini series, like a 12 part. So a maxi series, I guess. Not mini maxi. Uh, but the couple test images and covers that showed up on the internet look awesome. I mean, there's one of them where you got Green Arrow using arrows to stab vampires. It, it's awesome. Um, so I think that'll be really cool, just because I like that idea a lot. Uh, and as far as the other books, I mean, Thor's great. So that's another one to try to get into, because it's, it's been going 15 issues now, and we have multiple prints and multiple issues. I mean, issue one is at least five prints, if not more. And that doesn't even count variant covers. So, like, it's been great. Uh, so I'd say any of those guys, um, Echo Lands, Google that, because the art looks great. Um, J.H. Williams III, can't get enough. Like, that dude's awesome. Anyhow, that's what I got for you. Uh, anything else there, Josh? No, just looking at the art for the Green Lantern Infinite Frontier thing. with te- Like, basically, Teen Lantern seems to be the main character. Oh, uh, yeah, she's her and then uh, Sojourn de- from uh, Far Sector. Yeah, the, the detective chick. Yeah. Which, like, when we read that book, like, it, when we did that book, well, it was, like, what, 10, 15 episodes ago or whatever? Oh, yeah, for the for the Far Sector? Yeah. Oh, God, at least, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, but, ah, maybe 15, but we, we were talking about, like, what, like what's, what's this all about? Like, it could be really cool, but it's kind of, like, out of the blue, like, kind of a random thing. But well, then, like, at that point, she hadn't been in anything else at all. Well, like, they're using her, and, like, she's yep. kind of, like, hey, what's going on with everything? It's, like... So that looks interesting. I was just kind of, I was, yeah, looking into that a little bit, but. Yeah, the two of them are basically the main two characters. We still have, like, John Stewart's still connected in it, and, like, we see Baz a batch. But, yeah, the two that are really center focus, I'd say, would be the two of them. Right. But, yeah, the, the Green Lantern's been good. I mean, art wise, we had a few different artists, and I would say the starting, starting artist was a little stronger, but, I mean, it's still good. Well, until they age up, um,. Damien, Jonathan Kent stuff is like my the weakest part of all that to me. So, 
Yeah, with his old jump forward in time, that's weird. Well, they were so cool together, and then like oh, yeah. they got rid of it just like for this, basically for this. Well, I mean, kind of. Trying to replace old soups with uh, new soups. That's how he can be weird. Because if you don't know he has a son named John, then it's weird when they call him John. That's so dumb. Yeah, we'll see. I do like the way issue one looks, and the couple test pages are. It looked really cool. Mm. So we'll see. I mean, if you like, if you read Future State and like Future State, this is where this seems to be heading. But until issue one, some I really like, some I don't. So yeah, no, understandable. Understandable. But the, uh, the, bo- the blue and gold, the booster gold and blue beetle thing looks red. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to say that starts at the end of this month, actually. So that's, te- that's Ted Cord. It is. Ted Cord and uh, Blue Beetle. Or, sorry. Ted Cord as Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. So just normal, but like OG style. It's not Jaime. It's the. It's not. And it's not the evil sort of businessman Ted Cord either. It's normal Ted Cord. So that's really freaking awesome. It's another. I guess it's a miniseries because it's eight, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure that's right. But yeah, it's real soon. Those two are awesome together. Heck yeah. Freaking great. Buddy cop stuff. Basically, yeah. And since he died, the DC Universe hasn't been the same. Uh, yeah, that's true. And if they steal it, they can, but Jeremiah's idea, or Ted Cord when he got shot. Oh, Doomsday Punch? Yeah. Where he, where he dies and he wakes up from the coma? I never, I never called it Doomsday Punch. Yeah. It's either that or... Because there's a point where he gets knocked out by Doomsday. Or where he gets shot and killed. I was going with the punch. The shot and killed part works too. I mean, either one of those can be the same answer. Because he gets punched out by Doomsday. That would take it back to 92, though. Yeah. That would erase everything that's happened since 92. Which is dumb. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. There's some stuff in there that's just god-awful. No way. All right. What's happened? What's happened? Since, Since Doomsday? Yeah. I mean, so many things. Wally you know. West, Kyle Reiner, gone. Tim Drake, um, gone. That's a good point. Yeah. What, who, okay. Who gave you that idea? Let's go to the shooting instead. That makes that works okay. You can pick and choose what you want to keep. No, you can't. Totally good. No. <laughs> totally good. No way, man. No. Anyway, where Ted Gore gets shot by Maxwell Lord, and then like he's in a coma, and all this is just in his head. Yeah. You lean from there, that's fine. Either the Maxwell Lord thing or the... I mean, it, it is a totally different time frame, so I guess we don't want the current cast. When I came players. up with the idea, it was Maxwell Lord <sighs> shooting him. You took it farther to the Doomsday Punch, so... Yeah. So, it was my idea... Doomsday to, Punch has a better name. No, it's a dumb name. What were we going to call Shot in the Head by Maxwell Lord? No, we don't call it anything. It's got to have a name for story. You don't have to call the name anything. I don't know what the book's going to be called, though. Comatose, because he's in a coma because oh, he's, like, man. got shot in the face. Comatose. Is there a book called that already? That's a good name. Yeah, okay, That I just came up with the top That's of my head. Name. Doomsday Punch is the worst idea ever. Oh, Doomsday no. Punch! That's exactly the same. It sounds like a move in, in, in uh... Street Fighter? No, even worse. Like, no, what's the, the DC fighting one? Injustice? Yeah. Doomsday Punch! Well, Doomsday's in it, but that makes sense. Yeah. Sounds dumb. <laughs> Finish him! That's just Mortal Kombat. Uppercut! Oh, and they did do that in there, too. You can... All of it. Sounds dumb. <laughs> Whatever, man. Anything else? No. It's a key? No. <laughs> you know the rules. I'll show you the rules. My